Bing bong, motherfucker. <laughs> Close enough. Knox pronouns are Bing, Bing. bong. <laughs> put put that in your put that in your pronoun dictionary.com, bitch. Hey there, welcome to Motorcycles and Misfits, coming to you from the Recycle Garage in Sunny Santa Cruz, California. Said uh, through a grin. <laughs> it's actually not bad today. Yeah? It, it was actually nice. It is the eye of the storm. Nice today. It is the eye of the storm. It, in, it is also the new year. Happy New Year's, Happy everybody. New year, Happy everyone. New Year. It is officially 2023. I hope all your resolutions come true and... Uh, we go to a fun and awesome 2023. And you can read this, Knock. <laughs> I hope your year is gay as fuck. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Apparently. Hey, everybody. This is Liza, and I am back uh, behind the board. We got a lot of people out. Um, uh, some people are on the road. Some people are sick, and some people are trapped due to landslides. <laughs> Literal landslide. <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I said. You know, what? they're alive. They're just, just the roads are just, fucked. Just, as well. They're not trapped in the land. Right, right, right. Yeah. Stay home. yeah, we got the flatlanders in here today. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're experiencing some minor flooding, allegedly. Yes. But joining me here in the studio to help ring in uh, twenty three, we Ding have dong. Miss Emma. Aloha, darling, and I am. Duchess of the Flatlands. Mm. Duchess of the Flatlands? Yes. Yeah. No, I'm thrilled to be here. Uh, joining her on the classy girl couch to, to class it up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something it's, it's about... everybody's favorite dirty uncle. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you something about Tesla drivers, okay? No. Just, what's wrong with these people? Who are these people? Wait, are they the new Prius drivers? I think they've exceeded Which is worse? the next step. Uh, they're way worse. Which is worse? The uh, Tesla driver owners. You know, there was a thing here for many years where we were like, oh, Prius are the worst. They drive so slow. And then we went yeah. to Pakistan, and I got caught behind a Prius in Pakistan. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God, it's global. So it started out with Volvos, uh-huh. and then Priuses, and then... I think it's Tesla's. What about the Camry? Camry? I feel that's yeah, an underrated, no, I, real I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of people who drive Camry. Yeah, it's there's to, the, there's there's a certain category of Camry driver, and I think <laughs> the problem is with Camrys is Camry owners think they've actually got more than they actually have. So it's well, they like, got, they're, well, they're better on. than Corolla drivers. Also joining us <laughs> is Craig, Craig the Giant. Good day, all. Yeah. Good eye. Do you like that one? I'm trying that out for size. Craig the Giant. You like that, Emma? Craig the Tall. That sounds like medieval men. I, I like. I am Craig I think, the Tall. I think. Emma, or just giant. Craig. Throw an axe wielding. How about Craig the Handsome and Tall? I prefer Ooh. Lord Handsome and Tall. Ooh. Big, big footed. I. <laughs> my actual preference is Empire State Human. Empire State Human. <laughs> <laughs> Which I Wait, think is a, it was Craig, appropriate. Craig, Craig, what size shoe do you wear? Fourteen. Ooh. Bam. There you got go. that? One, four. Craig, shoe size 14. Mm. Oh, yeah. Nice. What, like totally putting him on the spot. Like we're just objectifying him. It's when I go shoe shopping, <laughs> I don't even, I say just bring me the 14s and they'll bring like two pairs. Bring me anything you got. So we have foot bindings instead, sir. Yeah. We just have wraps. Now, actually, you, I must admit, you, do, you obviously do very well because you always wear a stylish shoe. So 
You know, let it's, me tell you something about Craig. Slim picking up today. Yeah, he's got like usually fantastic always. drip. Okay, he's Ooh. he's a very stylish man. Have I'm you been you. hanging out with the young kids again? <laughs> this is true. Not hanging out with young people. <laughs> what's, this, what's this drip? I know. I'm like I'm I'm grandpa apparently. That's so fetch. <laughs> what? <laughs> stop! Stop trying to make fetch happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so um yeah so yeah we got a bunch of people out but that's okay there's plenty of misfits to go around well i think i think we owe our listeners an excuse as to why their favorites aren't here so listed in no particular order <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. um jim is uh he's sick yeah um not, jim, not the vid no mm. he's not got the rona but he has got the flu and he's not feeling very well yeah um, and then, um, John is of the mountain people trapped by landslides. Yeah. John is actually physically trapped in his home by landslides. He's, uh, he's chopping up his dresser drawer to set up a fire <laughs> in his living room. Right I th- no, I think he's actually, um, he's, he's setting fire to Melissa to keep the house warm right now. So, um, no power trapped inside. It's, um, it's gruesome. Yeah. Damn. And Bagel is actually close to us. He's nearby, but he couldn't get over the hill. Uh, to join us. Oh, he's in the state of California. He is. he is in the state of what California, is he, is he but like, he's in a state. Is he in a scoot? Oh, is he no, no, or? he oh, flew okay. down. Okay. Yeah. And boy, are his arms tired. But I wanted to talk quickly about um, Santa brought a little present for the garage. Yes, a good present too. I, I thought you would like it, Em. I think it was more for you than anybody else. Santa passed the bar. Yeah. Well, you. Yeah, I mean, you know, I love my porno. Oh, no, you God. don't. I didn't even think about it. Didn't even, Santa brought us a little TV for the for the garage. Well, I mean, it's you say it's a little TV up until probably 1985. <laughs> that would be considered a large TV. How how big is it? Like 20? 32. 32. Mm. See, 32 was a normal size screen for when we were growing up. I mean, that was the size of a TV, but now we consider it a small TVs screen. used to have an electron gun in them. It shot electrons. Yeah. On the back of the screen. Yes, mm-hmm. it did. Well, just uh, everyone used to watch like YouTube videos and stuff on their phones and pass yeah. them around. So like, now we've got the Santa, actual- can you give us a TV for the garage? And uh, we did some cleaning today. There was some flooding. We've had torrential downpours. And I know nobody has any sympathy for us when it's not <sighs> yeah. anything, when it's anything but sunny yeah uh but the reality is when we get just a little bit of rain it it floods right and which causes landslides and flooding and all sorts of problems and i, I rebuilt an 18 inch turbo it's really? a, I, i've rebuilt a fan oh um, yeah 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 wait is this for like a truck or something no the fan in the garage oh. <laughs> we're, 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 we're just we're cleaning and repairing uh, and stuff funny. like that um <laughs> Yeah, and enjoying um, watching Dakar on the TV. Mm. And um, news for 2023, we're going to have a rearrangement in the uh, in the garage. And the idea is, is to make it a little more comfortable. So if anyone yeah. wants to come and visit us, we are going to have a pucker lounge. We're, we're working on that. Yeah, Naki didn't hear that. We're, mm. we're, we looked at rearranging everything in the garage mm-hmm. to create a little more seating, a little more of a lounge environment. Ah, New Year's, new you, eh? Uh, <laughs> you know, I love it. 
What we're going to aim for is the TWA lounge at Idlewild Airport from 1963. So you that can kind smoke of inside. Oh, yeah, the can bar smoke. is so high. Yeah, can I, can I fix it old fashioned? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, you'll be drinking, smoking. There's going to be no uh, air conditioning. It's going to be amazing. That's right. Hey, um, I wanted to give a quick ride report, even though it was over a week ago. Um, but since we didn't have our show last week, but instead we dropped our Christmas special. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Mm. We had fun making it. Craig, you laughed your ass off. I couldn't help it. I had to it leave was... all those in. I enjoyed fun. myself. <laughs> yeah. we, we, I hope you enjoyed it. And then, Emma, you probably don't know this, but um, there was a conversation on the Discord, on our Discord channel, yes. about cafe racers and the origins, and someone saying, hey, it would be great if you guys could talk about that. So uh, we had one that we did for Patreon that was still locked for Patreon listeners only. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all about the cafe racers. So I just... Through that up there, very interesting, very interesting culture, and we can revisit that at some stage during the year because I mean it's constantly evolving. Well, but you dropped it. I just dropped it. Yeah, I just I just feel like how everybody wants to talk about the cafe racer and and how it just it's like how we call you know people on Highway Nine Ricky racers now or Power Rangers in that same kind of vein, you know, that kind of joking kind of a sense. Yeah, right. Well, um, but I wanted to talk about a quick ride report we did. you know, John and I have talked about um, us riding out to Hollister Hills, and it's kind of a newer thing. I mean, we used to load all of our dirt bikes up on trailers and take them out there and ride. That's the standard, Craig. That's what you would do. And then uh, <clears throat> Craig and John were like, yeah, let's go to Hollister. We got some time off right before Christmas. Mm. And Craig got got the news like, oh, no, no, we don't trailer our bikes there. We ride there because it's cooler to ride there, then ride around, and then ride home. And uh, I think that that is a a more fun challenge because now you have to have a bike that is freeway capable and dirt capable. We've got the KLRs, my 690 Enduro, which do the job. Right. And it's it's a little it's a, it's a little bit more of a challenge, wouldn't you say, Craig? Yes, it's kind of a fun definitely. fun challenge. Instead of throwing everything in the truck, you have to add a few layers on road, off road. Yeah, it was a so, little it was a little mini adventure. Yeah. And so mi- you were on mini. the you were on the Husky, of course. No, oh. no, I was on Liza's KLR and the <laughs> 690 Adventures. We traded on and off, Sweet. so half the time on the 690, half the time on the KLR did 650. You, did you notice a big difference between the two? There was a difference. There yes. was a difference. Yeah, the the KLR definitely unrefined tank ish, and the yeah. 690 a little bit more sleek, a little bit more refined. But ironically, I think I like the KLR on the street oh, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. It's a little more planted. The yeah. the 690 is a little squirrely above 80. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you got to it likes 70 much better than 80. Right. Interesting. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I threw Craig on that. And, and also your gear choice has to be something, like you said. And it was cold when we went. So, um, so yeah, it was cold. So you have to figure out if you're going to be, you know, dressed too warm for Hollister or too cold for the freeway. You yeah. know, it, it's it's a challenge. So it's fun. And um, we so we went out there and, and he started out on the KLR. And we stopped for breakfast, met um, Breaking Away Matt for breakfast. and Oh, shoot. That's yeah, cool. and then um, went out to Hollister, uh, dropped air pressure. Now this, <clears throat> I will accept. This was my bad, because I, I said, "Craig, here's where, where we dropped the air pressure," and he said, "How low do you want to go?" I'm like, I run like twelve to fifteen, you know. Um, thinking mm. of like the dirt bikes, not the KLR. 
And I think yeah. you dropped it down to 12. And you were riding around on flat-ass tires. It was probably a little too low for the KLR. Right. Was, I, that, yeah. I, I know this because we took off and did well, like the first trail where we go halfway and stop and meet. And I took off like a blast on the 690. And I know the trail. And I had so much fun. I get up there and they come limping along a while later. I'm like, uh-oh. Oh, do, does the KLR have like rim locks or the uh, no. bead locks? Or whatever? No. no. And uh, they're like, yeah, the bike's broken. Uh-oh. Now, <clears throat> I put that BMW top case on it, mm. and it's just too heavy for the bolts into the the, the plate on the bottom. So it's, the bolts had come out. Mm. And uh, so I'm like, all right, no problem. Here, you take the Enduro, and I'll take the KLR back down to the store and just screw it back together. Sort it out. But interestingly enough, as we we're sitting there at that junction, another guy comes along on a Gen 1 KLR. His name is Brian. Shout out to Brian. He emailed us. Hmm. He was stoked to see some KLRs. <laughs> Real stoked. And he had the gear to match. Big shout out to Brian. He had <laughs> yeah. the straight yeah. Gen 1 gear with the Gen 1 bike. Oh. He had the full Hell yeah. the full get up. And uh, yeah, he was he was a really good rider. Let us, led uh, John and I around. He was, he was and, leading the KLR life. <laughs> yeah. He's out there riding by himself on the trails. Like we think yeah. we're the idiots out there on the big bikes. There was another idiot out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like, here, you just take this and I'll limp it back. So I'm riding it with a, uh, the top case is kind of flopping around, but I had, uh, <laughs> I had some straps. I strapped it on, yeah. but I start riding and it felt like I was on flat tires. There was a oh. literal delay, delay in turning yeah. the wheel. And I'm like, holy shit. I don't know how you were riding like that. I um, like limped it back and put some air know, in. I am going to project the on. I mean, let's be honest. The KLR is a bit porky. Um, <laughs> That's a bit, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a little porky. I, I would say probably about 20 is about as minimum as Maybe you want. Maybe 18. I think 18. Yeah. 18. Yeah. Well, I didn't know any better because I had never ridden the KLR off-road. Yeah. So They're quite I thought it just had heavy. a heavy... Yeah, I thought yeah. it was just heavy steering, but yeah, then I realized it was... Um, how were the trails? Were they muddy, fucked up? Or are they rideable? Mm, nice no, they were pretty or? nice. Yeah, I mean, they, they were, were nice. a little, little, little bit of mud, but this was between storms. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they take off with Brian to go ride up, and I figured if you guys go up to the top and ride back down, I'll go down to the store and get some tools, and we'll be, you know, we'll meet back there. So I go down there and fix the bike, put it back together, and uh, they come back and they're like, "Oh, that was great. Let's get a drink, hang out. Okay, you ready to go?" Oh, wait, what? <laughs> to leave? We're leaving? We're done? I've, I've just done the first half of a trail. And John's like, no, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Were you surprised too? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I would have. Mean, done. Yeah, I, I, I mean, when I'm in Hollister, I can just ride till the sunset. So uh, nice. I'm down for whatever, though. I'm down for the team. Actually, I liked it so, liked it so much, I went back the next day with the Husky and uh, rode all day. Yeah. Nice. Because... Uh, we didn't get that much trail riding, but we got enough to get our tickle, tickle the. Yeah, fancy. so I was like, uh, okay, I guess we're done. Well, if we're going to go home, let's ride, um, let's do a little bit longer ride home, go through Gilroy. Mm. And I'm like, oh, let's stop at Gilroy Motorsports. I want to see if they have any used 890 adventures. Just, I want to just check. Oh, they still use shit too? They have used stuff, so oh, you cool. never know what's going to come through. Last time right I was there, there was a 1090 adventure. Hmm. So we stop, and then of course I saw uh, Greg, the owner, who's been on our show there. So we start chatting with him, and what was going to be a fifteen-minute stop, like three hours, <laughs> turned into like three hours. That's well, usually that store is so. That store is amazing, and I, ha- I was well. Greg great. had never been there, and so uh. of course that turned into 
Greg gave us a tour and like he showed us the 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 tank that they put in the back for the skidoos so they can oh. test skidoos. Oh, crazy! Like a like a the it's a water tank. Oh, because they got to run the motor. And Think all of that like shit a dumpster full of water. That's wild. With okay, st- with strap points, so you can strap it in and have it floating crazy. in water and test it. That is wild. Yeah, which is perfect because in the building they're in, it had a loading dock. So mm. basically, in the b- bottom of the loading dock is where they put this tank. So I guess that's the thing. If you sell power sports equipment, you got to have a tank of water to test the motors, huh? Yeah, and, and he's got so many, so many plans for improvements and stuff like that, and they keep getting robbed, which sucks. People. Oh, keep- really? Coming in and like smashing and grabbing and shit? Well, or like no, taking the fence down and coming in. Like they, they oh, took. That's fucked. There was a like a side by side on a trailer. <laughs> they just came. What? I mean, crazy. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. they're fighting all that and putting up fences and walls. And we just yeah. chatted with him, and he was really nice, and he gave us some really nice discount. You see Craig's sweatshirt? Sick. 75% off, baby. Hell yeah. Hell That's, yeah. I like those numbers. Yeah, so we did some shopping and yeah. chatting, and it's fun to have a shop to go and hang out. It pays to be a cool customer, and that's what you get, man. You get discounts. And well, not only tours. cool customer, but amazing owner. He was yeah. very impressive. Like most um, most owners, they they might not necessarily be complete dicks, but they don't necessarily spend that much time with you. He spent an amazing amount of time with us discussing ideas, possibilities, future business moves. It was a really interesting conversation. And, and this is something he said, and I think this is something that we're, we're, we're going to be tracking as we go into 23 because things are about to change a lot in the industry. Yeah. So for the last two years, we've had a high demand and and low uh, supply, mm-hmm. right? That's thanks COVID for that, right? Yeah. And what he said was, now all the suppliers are cranking out, and they're going to be shipping. Yeah. Supply is going to be delivered, and we're going into a recession. So now the demand is dropping, and the supply is gonna, about to shoot up. Mm-hmm. And he's like, we need to figure out other ways to bring uh, sales in, to bring people in, mm-hmm. other than just buying a bike. So he's looking into all sorts of different ideas and we were just shooting the shit with him and, and pitching ideas and this and that, and maybe you could do this, maybe you could do that. And, Mm. and he's receptive and just was listening and, and, you know, sharing ideas. It's going to be a very interesting flip. I mean, you're already seeing, I see a lot of parallels with the bicycle industry. The motorcycle industry kind of shares a lot of similarities with that and there's already articles coming out where bicycle shop owners are getting all the orders that they ordered in 2020 they don't have anywhere Mm -hmm. to put it because they can't move it they're having to rent Mm. warehouse space and add all these additional expenses being a a shop owner and so i think a lot of that is going to translate to the motorcycle industry maybe we were just six months or a year behind but it seems like the factories are catching up now and so it'll be interesting to see what happens as a consumer it might be good because the price might drop a little we might have some more availability but uh, but like as a motorcycle store owner maybe you're not moving quite as much product but i I think it's going to require a little bit of creativity. So um, my question to you, Craig, I mean, you put up a very, very good used used bike, good quality used bike at what I thought was a fair price. Have you had many bites? No, zero. So, I mean, you could argue that's the time of the year. Yeah, it could be. But it's, you know... 
I'm not ultra. I can't say I'm ultra surprised. It's a little bit of a specialty bike, kind of for the particular client that might be interested in it. But maybe it's a little surprising. I've got zero calls. Um, yeah. Oh, Emma. Uh, as far as your shop volume, or as far as volume of work, I mean, are you you're always constantly busy because you're one person shop? But like, did you notice like an no. uptick at all, or no? No. No. Um. I mean. Summer or winter, I always have more more work than I know what to do with. So I'm very mm. very selective about what I do. Mm-hmm. And the winter time, I change gearing, not because of the markets demanding it, but I've kind of stacked up all these long term restoration projects. You know, the big okay. builds. Yeah. And I say, well, okay, I'll get around to those in the winter time. And I still get the people, oh, can you service my bikes? Can you change your oil on my bike? Can you change the tires on my bike? That's always been steady and constant, though, right? Yeah, exactly. The lion's share of my work, it tires. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Without without the tire machine, my bottom line would be a lot, lot less. And tires, if you know what you're doing... God, that bike's ugly. <laughs> Jesus. Emma, you're giving away. Don't talk about it. I'm not going to talk about what it is, but dear God. Emma, ignore it. I think you're I can't. But the lions, I mean, tires are a huge part of what I do and what a lot of smaller shops do. And if you're good at doing tires and you don't gouge at people's rims and you're diligent about bolting the bolts up and balancing them and putting them on the right way around and matching up tires and just generally doing a good job, I could probably make a living just doing that. Because if that's all I did... You get a reputation too doing tires. She's a one-person shop who's also got a huge following. So right, she's exactly. Never, I mean, she's yeah. never going to feel the change. Well, that but, was an, yeah, that's an interesting point. We were having that discussion earlier at the garage, Emma, where you, you were thinking that you wouldn't be as affected as some of these shop owners, which I agree yeah. with. I think that... I'm not sure if I'd go to so far as say recession-proof, but maybe it is recession-proof because... Um, my industry is is kind of similar. It's like when the recession tanks, everyone has more time to right. get trained and ride and gas prices um, go, or when gas prices rise, then it's like, oh, I want cheaper transportation. Right. So it's kind of like yeah. regardless of what the economy is doing, it seems like we share similarities the, with that. The absolute worst case scenario with Mototown, the mm. worst case scenario with Mototown is I shutter the shop, end the lease, work out of my garage till the economy picks up mm. and then when it picks up look for a new place well you'll that's be the worst case but scenario I but i don't think it's go- ever going to come to that but yeah. just as an example like uh he, he he's a he's a honda dealer you'd be hard hard to tell because he hasn't had many he's like we finally got one africa twin in and one hunter cub in oh wow <laughs> it was like yeah so these are so things wait. that everybody wanted two years ago when he ordered them right and now and right. once you order it, you don't cancel the order, right? right. It's like once you yeah, put it so, in, he, is that only, how it works? But he only I, don't, has, I, don't I mean, that's yes. an example of the supply. He only yeah. had one and one. So, okay, so, hold on. His showroom is just those two bikes of no, Hondas? No, he's got a huge showroom. No, I know, but as far as Hondas goes, he's got dirt bikes, Honda uh, dirt bikes and shit like that, right? Like There were dirt, Honda dirt bikes, but yeah. not yeah, there a lot was of a the lot big of adventure small ones. small dirt bikes okay, and stuff. Yeah. There was one Yamaha mm-hmm. Tenere, and we're like, I bet that's sold. Yeah, he got one Yamaha Tenere. It was just candy. No, it wasn't sold yet. No, he said it was sold. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, so he had very few few of the bikes everyone's wanted. He's mm-hmm. got a lot of Royal Enfields and KTM gotcha. and Gas Gas. They're the ones who've been delivering. Gotcha. But, so it's mostly um, power sports and off-road oriented, if not yeah, like sport bikes. Yeah, but he's or... been getting into everything. And, gotcha. and the thing is, is that it was fun to sit around and talk with him about, you know, um, you know, ideas. And then we realized we look outside. Oh, it's dark out. <laughs> like it's late. Yeah. We just had too much fun. So I asked the guy at the counter, I'm like, eh, is there a good place to eat around here? That's isn't a taqueria. Yeah. Cause it's all taquerias out there. Just yep. something, you know? So he said, uh, yeah, it's, there's a place, some grill, something, you know, it's oh, not, the- not too far from, uh, where we're heading up over the mountain. Uh, so we, we ride over there in our dirt bike gear and we go in <laughs> Oh, the old diner. I know no, exactly where. No. Oh, no. We go in and it is a like dimly lit linen tablecloth fine dining restaurant. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And we look at each yeah, other nice. like, are we doing this? Like, <laughs> yep, let's do it. We go clomping in there in our dirt bike in here. <laughs> right. Get some of that caviar, bro. <laughs> yes, table for three, please. <laughs> yes, table for three. Did you have lobster, darling? <laughs> no, but Scrimps. I had a nice pasta. You had some pasta, um, pasta. And we, we sat down and had some very fine meals. And I'm like, I thought it was a funny choice to send people in, in dirt bike gear. <laughs> Anything is not a taqueria. <laughs> so that turned out just to be a fun, fun evening before we, we got cool. it home. It, it was, like was supposed Friday, to Saturday? be a day of dirt bike riding. It turned out <laughs> to be a day of hanging out, talking to, to Greg at Gilmore Power Sports and fine dining. Motorbikes do that sometime, man. But yeah, no, Greg's a solid cat. And, uh, you know, I, I wish him the greatest, but I am not jealous of navigating a shop of that size through a recession. Yeah. Well, going going back, <sighs> he's... I, know, I can't even imagine what all details he's dealing with. Well, one more thing. Cause like, how many employees does he have, do you know? Well, and here's the thing. He's having a hard time finding enough mechanics. Mm. That's a whole nother thing. That's another topic. Yeah. It, it's, it's a hard thing. But the thing that's cool is he's just got all these ideas and he is building different things out and, yep. and doing this and doing that. And, you know, he's willing to try that. Moving and shaking. And, he, you know... You don't know if if an idea is going to be good or bad until you really try it, right? Hey! Which brings us to our next segment. (laughs) Got him! (laughs) Got him! Nice segue, Lisa. Thank you. Uh, I said I wanted to talk about good ideas and bad ideas. Oh, God. And we were talking in the garage. I'm like, you know, there, there are some, like, ingenious designs that I wonder, is this a good idea or a bad idea? And sometimes you have good ideas that are failures mm. and you have bad ideas that are successes, <laughs> right? It's so true. I wanted to talk about some of these and, and kind of this is stemmed out of an article I found from New Atlas on this bike called a Drysdale. Emma, have you heard of this bike before? Yes. So this bike is a two-wheel drive, two-wheel motorcycle, two-wheel steering You can't motorcycle. tell which is the front. Two-wheel drive, <laughs> two-wheel steering. Now, yes, this is an ugly bike. Can we all agree no, on man, that? I, no, man. Uh, I don't know. If it was a different paint scheme, it might be yeah. a there little is, bit. It is no, there is John Deere <laughs> green and yellow. I mean, there is nothing. The color is dog gray, shit, okay? Yeah, the yellow, gray. yellow so, is the worst color. I, I wanted to, to kind of break this down and look at this okay. bike and see, is this a good idea or a bad idea? So first of all, how does it just, even steer? Well, look, there's so understand. much stuff on it. If you, if you want to take, if you want to take a look at, um, just look up uh, Drysdale two wheel drive uh, motorcycle. So first of all, did you guys look at the, how these wheels are constructed? Yeah, it looks like they're hub steering front and rear. But look how the and it's the, the spokes, the are, dished. spokes are dished. Your one single? side mm-hmm. single, yeah, single sided mount dished so that the 
if you look at a, sent- it's, it's hard look to at describe. A Bomoda Tezzi. It looks kind of like yeah, that. Yeah, kind of like that. So yeah. first off, uh, is a two-wheel drive motorcycle a good idea? Now, there have been some successful ones. What's that mm-hmm. um, dirt bike two-wheel drive? Rocon. The Rocon. No, 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 no. no. Uh, no which, uh, the Christini? Yes, Christini. Yeah, Christini Drive. That's yeah. a good-looking bike. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a drive system, right? It's not an actual bike. I don't know. I think, yeah, it's got a drive system. I, I always thought that yeah, was no, no, it's an the, Italian pastry. <laughs> <laughs> Crostini. Um, so, I mean, some people say that a two-wheel drive bike could be useful in, in application. In, in a certain In all the bikes that have it, the Rokon, the Crostini, and this, wow. they all have dirt tires on it. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, for dirt riding, it has its its bonuses. Two wheel steering, I'm not sure about. So, so this Christini's fourteen thousand dollars. Yeah, they're good looking bikes, right? All wheel drive, four fifty. It's a legit dirt bike. Mm-hmm. It's not some backyard thing. So Emma, looking at this Drysdale, and I, I do like to see somebody come up with ingenuity. So the first As do I. question I have is: Is two wheel steering a good or bad idea? It's not necessarily a Bad idea in theory. Now, what we've got to separate when we get involved in 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 a discussion like this, we've got to differentiate between what is good in theory and what is good in practice. Mm. So let's talk about the theory of having two-wheel steering. If you have two-wheel steering, that basically means when you're riding dirt, you're doing a lot of of handlebar action, not necessarily on the street. You know, on the street, you do a little bit of counter-steering, but it's all about leaning. The dirt, oftentimes, you know, if you're negotiating trails, you're... You're definitely putting a lot of effort. Putting a lot of of English into it. Now, if you have two-wheel steering, that basically means you can turn on tighter trails, you can take more tortuous paths... Theoretically, you can go where a bike that doesn't steer at both ends can't go. But we get into how the bike feels. Mm. Now, I know for a fact that a bike that steers at both ends is going to feel odd. (laughs) Um, Whether it's something you can overcome or not, I don't know. Um, definitely a learning curve. It would definitely be a learning curve. <sighs> you know, it's what's crazy is because, like, I look at this thing. There's just complexity, yeah. And there's a, the wheels are cast, and there's a drive system for the front and the rear. Yes, yes, yes. Like you could pivot a two-stroke dirt bike pretty easily if you practice. Well, and that, and so here's, um, to try and illustrate this, let's go back to a different kind of technology. So let's talk about um, the Honda NR750 Mm. with the oval pistons. And I'm going to throw it into the same idea. The idea of having oval pistons is you can have far more valves operating the combustion chamber. Mm. In the case of the NR750, you had eight valves per piston. Mm. Four intake valves, four exhaust valves, because you could do that, because they were oval. Some wacky piston rings. And, well, that was the holdup. That's why Mm. the bike didn't appear until 1990. It would have appeared in the 60s -hmm. if they could find somebody to make the piston rings. But the point is thus, they put in all this technology with 
without necessarily there being a technological advantage. It, the NR750 wasn't actually that much more powerful than bikes of the period. Mm. It only took a couple of years for conventionally powered bikes to eclipse it in power. Yeah. Um, another one is, is your Ducati, Craig. It has desmodromic valve gear. And desmodromic valve gear negates the need for valve springs. It mechanically opens the valve, mechanically closes the valve. Back when it was invented by Mercedes in the 90, early 1950s, it was a wonderful idea because valve spring technology was very, very poor back then. And in order to get these racing engines to rev higher, yep. if you mechanically close the valve, now you could rev your engine to 8,000 RPM. That, that big valve lift, right? Is that what they wanted to do? Right. A really aggressive cam. But here lift. we are in 2022, and valve spring technology is so good. There is no mechanical advantage to having desmodromic valve gear. Mm. But it's become so much of a part of what a Ducati is they keep it around. So you've got to be careful with technology. There's a couple of things that concern me the most about this bike. It is unspeakably ugly. <laughs> no, it's not. Stop that. It's no, function. No. Look how beautiful no. that is. I'll, I'll even agree. It looks like a grasshopper. <laughs> it is unspeakably ugly. Uh, if can, you were to write on. that. Can we agree there wasn't a huge attempt made for aesthetics? But no, therein lies the problem. Because it falls under the same category as form has to follow function. <laughs> if you're building a motorcycle, yes, I mean, I'm all for, yes, it's very mechanical and blah, blah, blah. But it, there has to be some concession. It has a rear okay, subframe well, on the uh, front. Hold on. Like, so this is <laughs> just a guy's exist. project, though, right? It's never a production bike. It'll never be a production bike. No, but Did again, we're talking more about... more than one? No, but we're, we're talking about good ideas and bad ideas. Uh, well, I guess And this no is somebody who thought bad. that they had a good idea, to, and they needed to try it. But there's a second sure. thing. So once we get beyond the unspeakable <laughs> ugliness of it, <laughs> in order to operate this system, it runs on a um, mechanical pump. And the mechanical pump... Oh, it's pump, hydraulic? It's hydraulically driven in the front? Yes, Oh, shit, that sucks. What? And the mechanical well, pump not. is so expensive. The only reason he was able to oh, build this, yeah. this like pump a has a has an operating pressure of 4,500 PSI. And uh, the, oh, God yeah, almighty, geez. it's even worse from that side. That is, oh, that's pretty bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, that, that is insane. Yeah, that is. That's. I don't. You know what? For a farm bike, we're just gonna truck around. I don't think this was ever meant to be performance. That's a two-stroke. It's an exercise. I'm, in... I'm into it. I, okay. Right. I, I, I take it back. I think it's kind of neat that somebody did this. Was that Nebraska? Was that Nebraska? That looks play? Canadian, doesn't Canadian? it? No, I don't it's know. Australian. Victoria? Drysdale's oh. Australian. Oh, I don't know. All right. Okay. Oh, that. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, wait what the a fuck minute. is that? Wait a minute. That's actually That's not even handlebars. conventional handlebars. So, it? describe what you're seeing. That okay, so instead of actual handlebars, that's a tube. It looks like it's a long box. It's a no, box no, 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 section. They, I think yeah. the handlebars go through. Do they go through? Is that just yeah, a cover? So basically, you know how you'll have hand guards and maybe a little fairing? Oh, I don't know. I think This that's looks like actual... it's all in one, but instead it looks like it's an oil tank. It may be a tank oh, of somebody. For the it's probably a hydraulic, hydraulic fluid. Yeah. yeah, for the hydraulic fluid. Or, yeah, so it's a tank that the handlebars... 
are built into. It's harder to. So basically, the fairing slash handguards are mm. a tank that's a couple inches. So tank. imagine like breaking a line and having. Let, 4, I mean, PSI let's move on from you. this. I think theoretically, as an exercise to show what you're capable of mechanically, it's a it's. It's got its merits. I mean, you can I mean, say, okay, I've built this, this thing, and this is what it can do, and this is what it can't. I think as probably a motorcycle. It's very complex. I don't see it being particularly reliable. I don't see it being particularly easy or nice to ride. Yeah. Well, so two-wheel drive. This is yeah. So the drive steel is one thing, but what about this Christini? I yeah. want to ride one of right? these so fuckers. Christini and Rocons. So let's let's go to the Rocon. Well, Are Rocons a good idea? I think a Rocon was a good idea that was hampered by 1980s technology. Hmm. If a Rocon had... A hundred pounds less weight and twenty pound twenty horsepower more. Are they ginormous? Those Rocons? Yeah, they're, they they're heavy. Like farm bikes or something. Yeah, they're kind of farm it's bikes. It's a mini bike. Oh, it's too big to be a bloody mini bike. Things huge. No, it's a mini bike. There is nothing it's, mini this, about that. This, com- is, this is an actual bike. company that still exists. Yeah. Yeah, Find a picture of somebody all will, made in America, I believe. Find a picture of somebody I sitting will. on one and tell me it's a mini bike. Mm. It's go. got big old tires. That, is, that m- is not a mini bike. It is. That's like two and a half mini bikes. All right. How big are those wheels? That's like three quarter inch. Three. Big, ah, I guess yeah. by the term okay. by the wheels. All right. I'm, I'm thinking of just overall. No, that's a, that's quite a big bike. Um. So Rocon is New basically Hampshire. a beefed up Trail Seventy. Is you know, <laughs> it's it's a uh, yeah. and. But they are famous for having two wheel drive and and big wheel, um, wide but short but small wheels. What is that like? Dude. A ten inch hub, maybe? I think 13, so. Um, ten inch. Famously, the the wheels are hollow, and you can fill yeah. them with water for traction. Get some unspun no, weight. And gas tank. And gasoline if you need it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can't draw it off. I mean, it's just a tank, and then right. you won't yeah, yeah. put it dump it out. Yeah. But also, they're meant to be a flotation device. So that you can float this across a river, hmm. but I think, and I'd like to point out, not uh, not pointing up. There's <laughs> there's a simplicity to the Rocon that I like, but as I say, it's, it was hampered a lot by the technology of the time. It's very very heavy. It hasn't got much power. If it had more power and less weight, I think it would be a great deal well, more fun to ride. Well, it's 2023. They still make them. It looks like it's still heavy and needs more power. I don't know. What's well, going yeah, on with because it. the marketing to nostalgic old guys. Oh yeah. Well, there you go. You know how much are they? Uh, how much are they? Yeah, that's a good question. Sixty-two hundred dollars. Hundred. Anyway, the but, average but, price is sixty-five hundred. So uh, Rocon okay. was created right. as a. Like really a utility vehicle, yeah. right? Um, so it's it, it, yeah, it has a bunch of like multi-functioning things. Like, I could see the application as like a- so, but two-wheel drive to get you through the the slog, the mud and the slog. So and then the Christini. So let me ask you: Is two-wheel drive a good idea? What or I am I most just, interested in of yeah. all the conversation of, of two-wheel drive is what can it do for hill climbs. Mm-hmm. What mm-hmm. could you do going up the side of a mountain? Would it provide you don't have enough additional? Weight on the front, though. That's what I'm wondering: is would would it? Is it just going through a little deep well, mud puddle, or could it actually 
contribute to no, to because that. of the weights going well, backwards. Yeah. I'm going to answer your question with another question. I may be jumping ahead in the show. What is going Whoa. on right now? What started today? 2023. Dakar. Oh, the Dakar. Dakar. Yeah. How many two-wheel bikes are in the Dakar? They're all two-wheeled motorcycles. No, two-wheel drive bikes are in the... How many two-wheel yep. drive bikes are in... None. There you go. But that's because it's a race and speed is a factor. Complexity. Yet two-wheel drive bikes like the Rokon are used to go through jungles. So, two-wheel drive has its advantages in certain applications. Yeah. But as a competition dirt bike, I don't think is one of them. No, no, no. And even those applications seem so niche that the average person just can't justify well, the purchase of one. Although these Christini is, is, is really. Well, let's get, let's go back to Hollister. Would you ride a two wheel drive bike around Hollister? Why not? Because you'd probably get flattened by somebody on a CRF 450 coming up behind you. No, not, a, not Hollister. Do you think you, you, do you rarely think run that, into other people on the trail? Do you think that would have enough power to, to the Rokon? The Rokon mm. would have enough power and speed to be on the trail. We don't need speed. We actually ride pretty slow on the bigger bikes. Mm. Rokon, Rokon top speed. I'm looking at it right I now. I wish we could get a whole fleet of these two wheels to test. Yeah, it, I mean, say, that's it sounds the obvious like we one. need a real world. Well, but, but, Rokon, but, if you're listening, uh, send your emails too. So, <laughs> yes. but Emma, I wanted to ask you. What are some examples of good ideas? Bro, these things go 37 miles an hour, third gear. That failed. What were good ideas that that failed because maybe it was the wrong time or well, you know, bad I mean, business they, or whatever? Um, well, I've made a list, and we're, we're, we're going to go through. So let's start with a couple of we, – we talked about the Drysdale. Let's talk about the other thing oh. you sent oh, me. Oh, right, this one. So this one – have oh you guys my seen this? God, that's have an a, actual VW motor. A Webley Vickers cruiser. Now those aren't real words. <laughs> <laughs> those aren't real words. Yeah, that is a Webley real... Vickers. Now this bike, there's something quite hokey about the article that this bike. I was reading this article, and I think this is not a production bike. This is something a bike that somebody built in their shed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're saying it's a production bike, but I don't think it is. Is, Somebody that, a, produced is that a BMW it. <laughs> toaster tank? Well, no, that's not a toaster tank. That's actually, that is actually a Moto Guzzi Eldorado tank, is what that is. Um, it's got BMW, it's got its BMW frame. So, um, what we have here is a 2000cc Volkswagen yes. boxer engine. Yes. Um, and hmm. I'm trying to see what the frame is. It, BMW uh, R69. Oh mm. no! This uh, this is a this guy purchased the tooling and parts from early developer to create the Webley Vickers. Yes, I know, but it's oh, a BMW no. R69 frame. Okay, and I can tell that because if you look above the saddlebags, see that little aluminum. Bloop? Yep, yep. That's, That's the, the shock. shock tower. Bobble, the little yeah. bobble. Yeah. So, um. Let's talk about putting car engines in bikes and why people no. have been <laughs> Can we not? attracted. <laughs> oh, not? Yeah, this, I think this is a one-off it's that a, was going to auction. I think it, it, I, I, exactly. Famously, Von Dutch put 
a Volkswagen engine in a BMW, and quite successfully. So, let's talk about putting... Um, oh, yeah, it was a BMW R69, yeah, confirmed. Yeah. So, let's talk about putting car engines in bikes. So, um, yeah. And there's been plenty over the years. Munch Mammoth. The Munch Mammoth. Well, Regal first of Munch. all, let's talk about why that is a good idea. Because these are engines that are already in, being mass-produced. They're being mass-produced. They are tempting because they, on the face of it, they make good power. Um, yeah, I guess. Back in the 60s, Britain, Europe, you know, America, were making large-capacity twin-cylinder bikes, and on a good day... A Bonneville would make 50 horsepower. Sportster would make about the same. Harley-Davidson Big Twin, like an Electroglide, would make about 45, although more torque. And the BMWs made even less. You know, the BMW R69s probably made about 35 horsepower. But again, high-torque engines. So these weren't high power. And you could theoretically, you could get a car engine with a bit of finagling you could plop it in. You have nearly 100 horsepower. Mm. Well, and, and so what size engine did an R69 come with? 600. And this is a 2000cc. 2000 2000cc. 2000 frame. So, okay, uh, so you have way too much torque for the rear tire to handle. Right. It's big no, and it's, it's heavy. A, but it's VW. Yeah, it's right. not known for its torque. Yeah, it's still right? two liters, man. It's still but of... you see, cars and bikes do very, very different things. And generally, real estate in a car is not a problem mm -hmm. because, you know, the things like even a small car is like, what, 13 feet long and so many feet wide. And so the engine can be a little bit more expansive mm -hmm. and you can just add stuff on, like you can add on the alternator and add on a pump for the power steering if you have power steering and add on this and add on this and add on this. And it doesn't have to be particularly pretty because at the end of the day, you can close the trunk or close the hood if it's in the front, and you can have the ugliest engine in the world. Nobody can see it because it's a car. When you put car engines in bikes, number one, you have a lot of accessories you've got to move around because just because, say, the alternator is in an ideal position in the airflow in a car, because you want a little bit of airflow from the grill hitting that alternator well, to and keep it cool. Your accessibility points are completely different right. also. Yeah. Um, it might be uh, right in your, your where your leg's going to be on a bike. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got to pretty the thing up. And if you take the Munch, the Munch had an NSU 1000 engine. Um, NSU 1000, pretty little car. Well, we can Lovely also... little car. I feel like... But dang, that engine was ugly. And there was nothing that Friedel Munch could ever do to pretty that engine up. I will say something to this defense. Uh, uh, Past bikes, if we're talking about, is it the Amazonian? Yes. And Ugly. Know, even the Boss Haas. Ugly. Yeah. Ugly, and they look like you Ugly try like so. built a bike around a big engine. This actually fits in pretty well. well so, so it does beg the, the question why it's not more common, because there are small engines. I think what it is, this is like when somebody gets way too fetishy with weight to power ratio. Yes. And, and it just, well, let's put a big motor in something really small and make it go fast. Okay, you could do that, but like... You could get a sport bike. So <laughs> when we build custom bikes, and you know, I build a lot of custom bikes, a lot of us employ a technique, and it's it it's a French technique, actually, from, um, it's an art technique, and it's called trompe l'ol. 
and literally tri- mm-hmm. it trick of the eye. Mm-hmm. And trick of the eye means that if you're faced with an area of ugliness, you want to draw your eye away from this. So let's look. <laughs> let's look at this bike, and you can see that there's a center part of that engine mm-hmm. that is ugly. There's some odd stuff going on he's got the valve cover which itself isn't bad Mm -hmm. but he's got that weird intake that sits above it but it's what's immediately behind the rocker covers there's this big slab of nothing Mm -hmm. and so what he's done is can we zoom in on that photo so what he's done with that is he's done a bit of trick of the eye. Mm, there you go. And he's put a very shapely fuel tank on it mm-hmm. to draw your eye to the fuel tank. And he's done a chrome, like, battery box, again, to draw your eye from this ugly part of the engine. And this is a commonality with car engines. Car engines can have pretty parts to them, like a Volkswagen. The actual cylinder heads and the valve covers on a Volkswagen are quite pretty. They're nicely cast. They're a great shape. But the rest of the engine is just butt ugly. And that's (laughs) what you're looking at here. You've got this pretty cylinder head and valve cover. But look above it. All this just ugly nonsense going all the way up to the bottom of the tank. And then this bizarre stuff going on behind the valve covers. Well... What's well, like when you open up the hood of a truck and like the first thing you see is just the engine cover? Yes. Like this big plastic thing covering everything to make because everything that's, look good. Because that's yeah, exactly. And that's what they do now. They just yeah. plop it on because what? engines are getting uglier. So much people, so many people don't not care about car engine aesthetics whereas oh, motorcycle yeah. it's so much more prominent mm-hmm. and part of the whole design. Right, yeah. exactly. That so yeah. did we agree that or disagree so, well, that car engines and motorcycles were a good or bad idea what what do you think emma i like the fuck you sorry <laughs> I, I mean that is a good question why why isn't that more common because i you know what like an engine that comes to mind like the early honda like civics that would seem to be a small enough engine that they could have put how in big bikes. is a, a 1.6 an old Something honda like that, civic right? i don't know i'm just curious why it is more you, common would you like to know the most successful car engine motorcycle um, you're gonna no. Yes, I would like to know. Any any guesses? Most successful car engine uh, motorcycle. Would you? It's a BMW. Mm. A BMW car. Oh, engine? it's a. Is it a? Is it one of them? Uh, 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 uh the, 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 one of the things that do the. the, 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 the. <laughs> Come on, you can do it, not It's uh, it's the the opposed cylinder. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, car. You're talking about car engine. Car engine. Car okay. engine. Uh, I don't know. Designed as a car engine. K hundred. K sixteen. No, the hundred. K hundred started off life as the brickhead. Yeah, the brick. The brick. Okay. And yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. all they did was they took a car engine and flopped it on its side. Mm, that's right. It's oh, a car the, engine. The three-cylinder. Okay. No, no, that's no. the 75. Oh, I don't know, man. Yeah. The hundreds, the four. Crazy. But, yeah. but it was basically a thousand cc. A I uh, believe, and I do stand to be corrected, I believe it was designed by Peugeot. So, But it's, it's a car engine. So mm, would you say that this is a good idea that's never succeeded? <laughs> or do you have a better example of a good idea that I failed? I think that 
<laughs> that particular, this particular example, yeah. That particular example would actually be a not unpleasant bike to ride. I, yeah. I think it looks based nice. based solely on what its contemporaries were. Mm. It's compared to an Electroglide of a similar vintage. Because, I mean, we're talking, what, mid-60s here? Car engines are so loud, though. Um, I think compared with an Electroglide of the mid-60s, it'd probably be smoother. It'd mm. probably not necessarily have more power, but it'd just it'd be a little more pleasant to ride. Mm. So do you have any examples of a bad idea that was successful? Yes. Like what? I'm going to get my pad. I bet you there's all kinds of those. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, yeah. Well, what, here's one we were getting into a debate on. Because uh, oh, I, I had talked about... Oh, your uh, favorite. I, I had talked about a good bike that was not successful was the GB500. Mm. I think it is a beautiful bike. I think it's a terrible bike. And it bike. is built on a Honda 500 dirt bike engine. So it's, you know, common engine. Um, and it's a bike that failed when it came out. For for many different reasons, uh, a lot of the mar- the market at the time feel like compared to what else this. was available. But Emma says that it was a horrible mic. There's that was GB. yeah the Gore Blimey five hundred. You you're not familiar with the GB. You're you're gonna be hard pressed to find somebody English who one like- of the best looking Hondas ever made. I don't agree. Great Britain five hundred, mm-hmm. and therein lies the problem. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be hard pressed yeah, to find somebody English who likes that bike. What do you think of that, Craig? Wow, it's it's pleasing on the eye. I told you, yeah. It's got beautiful lines in that rear tail section. Wow. Yeah, beautiful. Bike. So let me tell you about the GB500 and what it was and what it wasn't. <laughs> so GB500 came out 89, I think, mm-hmm. was the very, very first one. Yeah, 89 and 90. 89 and 90. Um, it was designed... As a basically a blatant copy of the British Cafe Racer scene Norton. of, yeah, of, of the the nineteen sixties, and therein lay the problem that really why it didn't sit well with a lot of British bikers is because it was a copy of something that may never have existed in the first place. And and Craig, I have owned one of these, and just so you know, since it's the first time seeing one, Craig, what color do you think that bike is? And they they only came in one color. What color is that bike? It certainly looks black, but I'm that, that is incorrect. Not. It is not black. It's a dark blue, isn't it? No. Or is it green? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It is a dark, dark, dark green, and the only it looks black to the eye, but if you hold a light up to it, it reflects back green. So it's um, beautiful. It's basically it had an XL five hundred yeah. single cylinder engine with a radial valve head. Um, top ends were quite fragile on them. You know, the, the small end got a bit knocky and out around after about 20,000 miles. Oiling was always a problem on them. Mm. Um, you see, the, the, the dirt bike carried its oil in the down tube of the front frame. The Gore Blimey, they wanted to make it a bit more authentic, so they put an oil tank under the seat. And it had this sort of weird plumbing that goes, you can see the plumbing sitting on top of the clutch cover. Mm-hmm. It's. It couldn't feed itself because of, of its location of its. Well, uh, no. I mean, or... it never had oiling problem, but it was awkward. I mean, mm. I just see it as clunky and pretentious. So, but but I use this as an example you know because what? it's a 
bike that is extremely collectible today. In the 90s, you could buy one in a crate you, that they sat in dealerships and never sold. You think this would have prompted Ducati to make their Sport 1000? Because, I mean, it's still kind of that Well, they didn't but, sell either. But I use yeah, this as an example. It's it, These go for ten grand now. Well, yeah, it's wild. You could, and at the time. And in the late 90s, I bought one for like less than four grand. They were oh, expensive wow. when they were new. And Never a lot of that out. was yeah. the problem. They, they failed. But I thought it was a beautiful attempt at a bike. That was fun and very nimble. Well, let's rewind for a second. So you said that what was the problem with the the UK public was not that it wasn't beautifully designed, but that it was a copy. It didn't feel authentic. It didn't didn't ring as authentic. Um, You know, it was... And... And in Japan, they had a GB400. And wasn't there a GB250 also? Yes. You know, it was like a whole range, almost like... Uh, the GB was its own model in Japan, but and they the, had various. In the US, it failed. It bombed. Right. So I, I, that is my example of a good idea that failed at the time. I don't know if you guys have any other examples. Well, um, of I mean, a good we, idea that failed at the time. Well, and part of the. Um, I mean, the W650 was in the exact same boat. Yes. Yeah, let's talk about yeah. the W650. That's because a cool one the too. W650, to me, is a very, very different bike than the Gore Blimey. Yeah. It's charmingly styled. It's not trying to be something it's not. Um, Bevel valves. This is and really it's cool. beautifully engineered. I mean, they are just gorgeously engineered. It's just a very, very charming little bike. And there are some chops to it. Because it's actually, it was based on the Kawasaki W2. So there was some precedent. And yes, the W2 was a blatant copy of the BSA A10. And we yeah. all know that. Yeah, well, and just like the GB was a blatant copy of Norton, this was Kawasaki's blatant copy of a Triumph. I mean, the no, badging, no, 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 no. It was Kawasaki's blatant copy of their own W2, which was a blatant okay. copy of a BSA. All right. So it had some chops, but it's a lot more charmingly styled than the Gore Blimey. It's a lot less pretentious from a mechanical standpoint rather than using uh, an old hashy. What year did it come out? 2000. Yeah. Right around the same time. Oh, shit. Nice. Okay. Um, but it had this glorious little bevel drive engine. I mean, it actually yeah. had a rotating shaft that drove the camshaft. It's just a lovely little thing. Um, well, and then they, uh, that's a W650. Then they, they, this is a bike that failed when it came out, yeah. sat on showroom floors. Did they ever like make was those not successful. bevel geezer covers for those? Or is that like no. a, a, like a no. Gucci or Ducati? Thing? No, that's a Ducati thing. Yeah. The window. Yeah, the window. Yeah, yeah, and you can see the bevel gaze. Mm-hmm. But um, I have a couple that come down the shop and I'm always just tickled to work on them because they're just lovely little things to work on. And it was... Um, and they're charming to ride. It was not successful. Well, that's the current was, one. Uh, yeah, yeah, no. You're not supposed to talk about what's on the screen because listeners don't know. Oh, boo. Um, so it was a bike that didn't succeed. I think because... I, I, I remember my original opinion was it was just... A copy. If you want a real British bike, just get a British bike. It didn't succeed, but it was a good bike. It, too, is now highly collectible. And now they doubled down and made the new the W800. So you could go into a, looks, a shop and buy one of cool. these today. I like it. And I think it what they've nice. done with the 800, they've, they've addressed 
some of the issues that were leveled at the 650, because some people said the 650 was underpowered. Mm -hmm. And if you compare it with, say, a ZX6, it's very underpowered. But, I mean, if you compare it with an older British 650, I mean, the power holds up. The 800, they gave it a little more power, a little more torque, um, sharpened up the styling, you know, they put the bikini fairing on it, sharpened up the headlight, new color scheme, um, black rims, so which... I, I got a question for you. Yes. W650 was a failure. So then they came out with the W800. Was that a good idea? Wait, is it a failure, though? By what metric? The W650 did not sell. How many How many years were they making them? Two. Two. Yeah, only two. only two yeah. years. Yeah. Only a couple more. of years. Yeah, didn't they fail. Market. So let me ask you. So so what? So the bike didn't succeed. So they twenty years later they come out with the W eight hundred. Was that a good idea? Hmm. I think it was worth a shot, and I'll tell okay. you why. When because did the eight hundred come out? A couple of years ago. A what, team, maybe. Yeah, mm. seventeen. A team of engineers in Japan really sat down and thought about that engine. And really put a great deal of time and effort making that sweet little motor. Mm. And I think they deserved a second chance. So let me ask you this. Should Honda come out with the GB650? God, no. Oh, wait a minute. Well, they're doing oh, a Hornet. wait a minute. They're Why not? They're doing a Hornet. Why not? Because we've already established that there's a lot of mechanical inf- innovation in that bike. Okay. There's none in the GB500. None. But I said a GB650. What if they redesigned it? So, I mean, Kawasaki took a bike that didn't didn't succeed, and they doubled down and made it better, reissued it. Why shouldn't Honda? I don't think... Craig, the, don't you agree that GB is a good-looking bike? Right? I don't think a GB650 would be any less pretentious than a GB500. I don't know. I don't know. Hmm. Well, they call it the Hornet now. That's what they... <laughs> So I mean, come parallel, on! Parallel it's like twin? it's like Kim Kardashian's lips. I mean, God, could it be any more fake? Well, I wanted to see if you guys <laughs> uh-huh. have uh-huh. any other no body shaming here. I want to see if you oh, have her lips. Any other uh, <laughs> things that you think were good or bad ideas? So I'm going to use this as an example. Something that a lot of people think is a good idea until they do it, and then they find out it was a bad idea. But once they start down that path, there's no there. You cannot change their mind. They're yeah. so convinced. That covering their bike in Plasti Dip is a good idea. <laughs> right? Oh, Until they learn that. it's like, we've tried it, right? I've tried it. Did you well, try it? No, I've Plasti Dipped uh, some shock springs once. They, they turned out okay. It but seems, have you seen this, Craig? How long did they last? So, not very. Just basically, Plasti Dip is a spray on rubber coating. Yeah. And people think, oh, this is cool. I heard you can just, you can take a bike that's pretty nasty well, looking, Road Rash, spray it, it'll look new. And if you don't like it, you can just peel okay. It off. So there's a whole thing with Plasti Dip and car people. Apparently, if you do it right and you take it too professional, it looks decent enough. And the idea is, it's never going to look like a factory gloss paint job, right? Oh no, but it doesn't it's, look gloss. No, no. I mean, you can get gloss because that's it's it's evolved to where you can get a gloss coat from on Plasti Dip. But like the idea of it is, it's not permanent. That's that's the the novelty factor of that. Well, yeah, and here's why it's a bad idea. Yeah. How many parts of your your tank and your side covers are getting rubbed and scraped? Oh yeah, I wouldn't do it on a right? bike. That's and for it sure. just it gets holes in it, and it just looks yeah. bad. Well, not people just vinyl wrap their cars or the it, it looks it looks bad. But people think it's a good idea. So, do you guys have any other? things that are pretty common that you think are good or bad ideas <laughs> putting a lot of stickers on your bike 
Good idea or bad idea? <laughs> the, 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 Cheaper than a paint job. Yeah. yeah. Charlie did that on his bike that had road rash. Depends yeah. if you're going to give it to somebody, then you have to end up taking it off. So <laughs> I'm going to talk, I want to talk a little bit about a whole genre of bikes ooh, ooh. that started off as a terrible idea. Oh, is this what we were talking about earlier? But became wildly successful. Is this what we were talking about earlier? Oh, no. No. This okay. is a curveball for you. You're going to be right. like, what? Okay. So, um, back in 77. And is this a good idea or bad guy? <laughs> bad idea. Well, it started as a bad idea, hmm. but, but it has become know. wildly successful. Oh, 77. Particularly in, so here in America. So, too late for two-stroke. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Kawasaki had this rather jolly bike called the Z900. Okay. Mm. And by 77, they were just getting ready to introduce the Z1000. And everyone loved these bikes. Yeah. But the American importer said, hey, guys, can you work with us and come up with something that's more suitable for the American buying public so they came out with the ltd and the the ltd was basically very very rudimentary it was a z1 with a step seat high bars shorty pipes and a few other accoutrements 16 inch back wheel it was i I would say successful they were everywhere yeah they were everywhere but it was a terrible idea (laughs) because what you had was a oh yeah here we go I'm looking at it right now. There you go. So what you had was a bike with 90-odd horsepower, which even in standard form, the handling was marginal. The braking was marginal Mm. because that's how bikes were back then. And you're going to make it better by putting a far more wobbly-sized back tire on it, higher handlebars. But a lot of power. And and longer forks and a lot more power. (laughs) Anybody who puts handlebars like that Mm. on a four-cylinder liter bike needs a lobotomy. I knew a lot of people. (laughs) So (laughs) that thing is ugly as hell. Yeah, not handlebars like that. But the thing (laughs) is, so these early attempts, and the Kawasaki LTD was one of them. um, The Yamaha US Custom which started off life as a XS650, mm. was another really early contender. Suzuki got on with the L-series. Um, and, I, you know... I, I'm going to say, though, by today's standards, this is not a good-looking bike. But at the time, but this was good-looking and successful. So, but this, this was a terrible idea. And more <laughs> people got hurt and crashed these early cruisers, especially the big ones. Yeah, but they became this wildly successful metric is cruiser this, movement. This, is this how the VMAX came to be eventually? Well, the VMAX I mean, it, it, it like eventually no. trickled to that. Like by the way, that this shape and form factor was the first leader bike I ever rode. Was right. one of these, and I remember mm. I had never ridden anything bigger than. Uh, well, it was 750, and I got on my friend's 1000. I just thought it was going to be a rocket, and I got on there like all like intimidated. And I go down the street; it was just just another bike, <laughs> you know. So, what's the how, how? What year did that come out? What's 77. 77. Oh, interesting. So, um, no, the V Max was always its own thing. Mm. Um, 
I but know. I mean, did it start that? Because like I'm looking at this thing, it's like the form factor is that's. It seems like if you took the outline of it, you could see where the kind of. So you're saying was this the first power cruiser? Yeah, or something like that. I mean, did it spurn this? Did it start this genre? Maybe. But, but I want to go back, Emma. You said this was a bad idea that turned into a good idea. Yeah, exactly. Because the metric cruiser movement really has been the backbone of American motorcycling. I mean. When you look at what bikes have sold and what bikes haven't sold, cruisers make up a massive proportion of mm-hmm. what's sold. Yeah, they do. And just because us misfits, we don't generally ride cruisers, it does not mean they're bad bikes and it does not mean they're unpopular bikes. I was a big fan of the LTD 440. Right. Cruisers are great bikes. And if your style of riding suits a cruiser... They're the most wonderful things in the world. And they've yeah. developed to such a point now that they're some of the most sophisticated bikes out there. Like their Diablo? Um, yeah, exactly. Take the Ducati Diablo. You know when Ducati are making a cruiser. Mm-hmm. You know, there's some chops to it. But these early LTDs and these early cruisers... But I thought this terrible. LTD was more related to the KZ... Not- not the uh, the Z. No, the 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 KZ was just the American designation of the Z. But the KZ was more of a flat seat straight bike. No, the well bike. the. No, hang on. No, no, you yeah yeah you're getting your Kawasaki pronouns mixed up. Nope. The got a KZ in the garage. Yes, but in England, in every country in the world. Kawasaki were just known as Zs. Mm-hmm. Oh, in America, oh. they were known yep. as KZs. I mean, example. So the KZ seven hundred and fifty came in the twin or the four, right? right? But in it, but in every other country in the world, it was just known as the Z seven hundred and fifty. Okay. So right. that was the difference. And mm. again, this was an early. And the funny you should bring up the seven hundred and fifty. It came in two flavors. There's the Z seven hundred and fifty LTD. You want your mind blown? Yeah. Do Z750 CSR. Oh, it's the same thing. Not quite. The CSR came with a few more accoutrements. Wire wheels, different exhaust, a little more chrome on the engine. Look at that. CSR. Not a bad looking thing. Yeah. It actually looks a lot like the W650. So... From the birth of these very, very early clunky cruisers that didn't handle well, that had terrible brakes, the 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 cruiser movement was born. So it started I mean, off as a bad idea that got good. Was that, the handling bad compared to today, or this was like peak? No, the handling, handling was bad compared the, with the other bikes. Right, right. Okay. Oh, interesting. You know, because generally, if you if you take a bike that's got marginal handling anyway. Mm. So if a Z1, as glorious as a bike as it is, is not the best handling thing. Okay. Um, and so speaking the- of handling, I'm wondering whether it was a good idea or bad idea, Kawasaki H2 Widowmaker, the Mach 4. Yes. Well, Would you say that that was because the chassis really couldn't keep up or the brakes with the power of the engine? Well, or it, was just an exercise in evolution of it, the motorcycle? It was an exercise in evolution. Um, and they were just trying to sell people horsepower. Yeah, right? I mean, like, horsepower really was, that was it in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And everyone was rushing to make the highest horsepower bike. Handling be damned. Yeah. Pretty much. 
Um, well, when you said um, Z900, I was thinking of the current ones, which, again, comes back full circle yeah. to the GB, to the W650, a reissued, remodeled, retro-styled bike that but the, I think is, is, you know, is that a good idea again? You know, I think people, it, it's reading the market. Um, there are a lot of people of a certain age, well, sort of my age, um, in their 50s. Sleepy sense, she's talking to you, man. Um, he, he owns one of these. So, it's beauty. You know, there are people in their 60s who couldn't afford a Z1 back then, but still think very nostalgically about them, who really now have got the financial clout to buy that. Mm. And it's a great bike in its own right. The reason why I'm very, very fond of the current Kawasaki Z900s is whether it's in the, you know, just the Z900 form, mm -hmm. which is the naked bike that mm -hmm. kind of looks like a transformer, the Z900 RS, which we're looking at there, which is in lime green with a bikini fairing in the tail, the retro or throwback. the Z900 Retro, which is in the candy root beer. Mm -hmm. They're all great riding bikes. They make good power. They yep. handle well. They break well. They do everything you could possibly want. So is the cow? I was thinking of like Kawasaki Eliminator. That's an Eliminator. Now that's its own thing. Oh God! So the Eliminator and the V Max and the V sixty five were kind of drag bikes. Because this is almost like uh, the next gen of the LTD. I mean, when you look at the style, it is and it isn't. From a from a technical standpoint. These three bikes. So mm -hmm. we're, what we're going to deal with is we're going to deal with the Kawasaki Eliminator. And we're going to deal with the V-Max, and we're going to deal with the V65. Is this technically a Vulcan? No. Okay. It's very different to a Vulcan. Okay. Um, these bikes made the most horsepower of any bikes in the range. Mm. Any bikes in the range. Mm -hmm. The V-Max made far more power than, a, than yeah. an R1 of the time. Mm -hmm. The Eliminator made far more power than GPZ 1000 RX. And the V65 at the time made far more power than even the highest power Honda Sport bike. These were kind of like the drag bikes. And Sorry, I know there's a V-Max in there. I found one right there, right behind right. Greg. Mm. Third bike in silver. Up. One, yes. There it is. VMAX. And um, Honda and Kawasaki always played on that in the advertising. There was a great nighttime shot of um, an Eliminator 1000 at the time. And Pee Wee Gleason, who was like the number one drag racer of the time, is just lighting up the back tire um, on a drag strip. Mm. And it's just got, you know, this bike will run 10-7 in standing start quarter mile out of the box. It's like, what? These were the fastest bikes on the road at the time, but they were their own genre. Yeah. These aren't cruisers, and they never really were. They were kind of like, uh, I'm trying to think. It's a drag bike. It, it? It's a, yeah. Basically, it's a drag bike yeah. with lights. And the V-Max was the same cruiser. thing. Well, Power Cruiser's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm going to go with their drag, drag bikes. Drag and they were mm. pitched as mm. drag bikes. Mm. Um, 
because power they cruisers, ride like hell on the straights, but just don't give them any corners. Mm. Well, and I mean that was that was the Vmax from day one. I mean, a contemporary road report on it said, I think it was Motorcycle News in England wrote it, and they said, well, you know, there is no bike in the world that can accelerate in a straight line like this bike, but it goes around corners like a rabid puppy on a leash, <laughs> and that kind of sums it up. Yeah. Well. I'm going to tell you what is probably one of the best ideas of all time are my games. Mm. It's not cigar <laughs> nice throttles. Segue, Liza. You loving that? You loving it? I'm enjoying the segues tonight. I think you're doing very well. It is game time. Mm. Now, here's the thing. Um, I have created a game called the easiest motorcycle quiz ever. Mm. Now, because a few weeks ago we did the hardest motorcycle quiz now i've come up with the easiest motorcycle quiz and i'm i'm pretty <laughs> confident that so you guys yeah, in the yeah. room probably know the answers to everything so i had to make it a little bit harder mm. so here's the thing in this game <clears throat> we are going to pit knock against craig i'm i am ready i am one, ready to be humiliated go one question at a time so when when i point to you it's your turn the other person isn't trying to compete mm-hmm. you are competing against yourself because this is how much time you have to answer three seconds right oh wow okay so these are things you probably know and then if you do not get it right, then Emma can come in and see if, see if she knows the answer, which I'm pretty confident. All right, you guys understand the game? I think, yeah. Okay, we're going to start out with you, Knock. Mm, okay. Here we go, ready. Here we go. Named after a famous racer we have interviewed, Turn 9 at Laguna Seca is also known as what? Oh, uh, fucking, yeah, yeah, fuck! Oh, I know wow. it, I know it, too. It's fucking rainy corner. God damn it. You know what? The pressure. He's All the this does is show how much lack of sleep I have and how, like, my brain is degenerating. Hey, Emma, if I give you this uh, notepad, can you keep score, please? Uh, Jesus. The score is I zero I not, to zero. I did not score that one. Okay. So, knock. <laughs> this is good, I like this. All right. All right. uh, my brain is zero. All right, Craig, you understand the Ready. game now. The this one is zero. easy. Hey, Craig, the Harley Davidson Sportster is a line of motorcycles produced continuously since 1957. In CCs, what is the engine size of a Harley Sportster? 883 12, and 1200. That is correct. Damn. Damn, brother. That one for Craig. Shit. All right. So, back to knock. All right. Let's see. <laughs> this is stressful, okay. man. Ooh, I'm getting the shakes. Okay, not. <laughs> the BMW logo is rumored to be a spinning propeller, but this is not true. Mm-hmm. It actually stems from an early ad for BMW that showed the name in a spinning propeller, but the logo predates the ad. What does the W in BMW stand for? Verks. That is correct. Knock All right. That was like a red herring question, man. <laughs> incidentally, do you you know what the uh, the blue and white is? It's the Bavarian flag. flag. Yes. Yep. Okay, Craig. An acronym is an abbreviation formed from the initial letters of other words and pronounced as a word. Mm. What does ATGAT stand for? All the gear, all the time. That is correct. Isn't that initialization? Or is that a, uh, whatever. Who knows? Who gives a shit? 
Okay, we're going to knock. Mm. All right, ready for this? Mm-hmm. Pressure's on knock. <sighs> the cafe racer culture brought us the mods and rockers, mm. as well as the ton up boys. How fast must you go to do the ton? 100 miles an hour. That is correct. All right. That was easy. You got it. Oh, yeah. he's, he's starting to get his, like, his nerves uh, just like I'm, I'm like actually paying attention now. Okay. All right, Craig. <laughs> Mm. If a baby cat is a kitten, mm. what is a baby tiger called? Cub. That is correct. <laughs> a tiger cub. All right. Cub. See, these aren't that hard, right? No. These are easy. All right. Let's go to... Okay. The Perry Dakar race is celebrating its 45th race this year in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Originally starting in Paris... What continent was the original finish line? Oh, Africa. That is correct. All right. See? Well done, Mark. Well done. All right. Craig. Let's see. Uh, (laughs) Craig's not feeling any (laughs) pressure at all. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here's a good one. In 1978, Kenny Roberts became the first American to win a Grand Prix World Championship. Mm. What color was his motorcycle? Yellow and black. That is correct. That is correct. Nice. All right. Well done. All right. All right. Let's go to knock. Let's see. Uh. Oh yeah. In 1948, Rolly Free set a land speed record at Bonneville Salt Flats, reaching a speed of 150 miles per hour, and creating what has become the most iconic photo in motorcycling. Mm. What bike was he riding? Oh, it was a fucking Vincent. Sorry. Yeah, that'll do. Yeah. I was going to ask what Oh, model. Black Shadow. Yeah. Actually, it's debatable if, if it was a Black Shadow or a Black Lightning. Because apparently oh. parts from both. It was a Lightning. It was Lightning? It's, Mostly it's, Lightning? It's debatable. Hmm. Okay. Craig. In 1948, Sochiro Honda founded the Honda Motor Company. Many other brands are named after their founder as well. Name a brand of motorcycle named after two or more founders. Buell and... uh, That was a tough one. Uh, Suzuki? Yep. No. Yes? No. A brand named after two or more founders. Oh. Oh, Harley Davidson? There you go. I also would have accepted. I thought it was too. I also uh, would have accepted KTM, Bomoda, or Ducati. Mm, Those are all. Yes. Bomoda is great. Yeah. That's a good one. Okay. Knock. Let's see. Well, you two are equal now. You two are equal. Don't Mm. fuck this up, Knock. (laughs) Thanks. I want to make sure. Let's see. Uh, Oh, I think I already. All right. Knock. Yes. Valentino Rossi is a nine-time Grand Prix Motorcycle <clears throat> Racing World Champion mm-hmm. and is considered by many to be the greatest racer of all time. Mm. But that is debatable. There are other racers with more championships. Mm-hmm. What is his racing nickname? Uh, the Doctor. There you go. That was easy. All right. Il Loretto in, in uh, Italian. Ooh. Yeah. Your bonus right, points for that? Mm-hmm. In 1940... The Soviet Union covertly purchased through Swedish intermediaries five BMW R71 motorcycles, dismantling them and reverse engineering them. The Ural was born. How many wheels does a Ural come with? 
Three. That is incorrect. Emma, how many wheels does a Ural come with? Four. That is correct. The spare, spare on the side. They always that's have a trick a question. Spare. <laughs> trick I feel. I feel that's question. kind of like. Yeah, that's kind of. Yeah. That's good. Controversy. <laughs> no strangers to controversy over here. I don't uh-huh, know. I feel uh-huh. for Craig on that one, man. <laughs> don't feel too bad. Don't feel too bad because you about to get work. You gotta listen Damn, to I, the question. I'm gonna, I'm I had to I'm let gonna, you get ahead, knock, and then I come back. You have to listen. <laughs> that to was the a bullshit question, though. I gotta say on the record. Oh, whatever. Shut it's, up, it's a pretty knock. simple question. How Gosh. many wheels come on a Ural? Yeah. Four. Um, by the way, that that's, is a, that's, a, that's something you wouldn't know unless you actually owned a, like a Uraldo. No, look in any picture. Any picture. Oh, come on, man. Okay. No, there's so, no come on, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. No, I'll take I'm it, trying I'll to help. Take I'm it. However, to help out, Emma, that was a fascinating story I uncovered that the Soviet Union bought these BMWs through Sweden. Well, my understanding, and then dismantled them. And and the thing is interesting. So they bought these R seventy one motorcycles in nineteen forty. In nineteen forty one, BMW came out with the the R seventy five. Did think. they buy them right. clandestinely because yeah. Germany wasn't allowed with their? Well, they were, were looking for bikes that could be used by the military in the war, and they tried right. a bunch and found that to be the best. So they bought them. Mm. And you know, Sweden. Um, there was a lot of traffic between. Um, the Eastern Bloc via Sweden and yeah. Europe, because Sweden, of course, was famously neutral in the Second World War. Wait, sorry, what year was this around? Nineteen forty. Oh, so it was so, the height yeah. of the Second okay. World War. So going through Sweden yeah. was actually a smart move. Same as Spain. Yeah. You know, Spain was a neutral country, and there was a lot of stuff going on for the European uh, for the Mediterranean conflict going through. Um, Spain. They just fought their own civil war in 1936, so they had no taste for the Second World War. Did did Hitler already make a pact with the Soviets at that time where they couldn't weren't invading. Oh, I don't know. My world history. What I'm Whatever. saying yeah, is, sorry. this is kind of a fascinating story. Oh, We're it is. Digging yeah. into some more. All right, that would be knock, knock now. Yes, it's uh, it's it is my turn. Yeah, all right, knock. Mm-hmm. The Triumph Bonneville is an iconic bike named after the Bonneville Salt Flats in Utah. Mm. What other Triumph model is named after a city in the U.S. made famous for motorcycle races? Uh, Daytona. That is correct. <laughs> Well done. Did you know that one, Craig? I did. It would have took me probably another second, though. Okay. Well, let's see if you can get this He was quick with that one. The Erzberg Rodeo is an Austrian motorcycle enduro race (laughs) held in an ore mine. Held since 1995, KTM riders have been the winner 18 out of 26 times. Jesus. Who is the main sponsor of the Erzberg Rodeo? Red Bull. That is correct. Nice. All right. See, I told you these these are not hard. The first thing in my mind was KTM because they keep winning hard. them. <laughs> all right, knock. Yeah. Possibly the most famous biker movie of all time, mm-hmm. Easy Rider garnered Oscar nominations for Best Supporting Actor and Best Original Screenplay, mm-hmm. and made Peter Fonda the star he is today. Mm-hmm. Name the actor who rode the Billy bike. Oh, uh, Dennis Hopper. Hey, he's got his shit together. Well done. All right, Craig, to you. What's the score, Emma? Knock has one incorrect and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven correct. Craig has two incorrect and one, two, three, four, five, six correct. Well, hopefully Craig can get this. All right, Craig. 
Bert Munro was a motorcycle racer from New Zealand, famous for setting a land speed record at Bonneville in 1967 on his 1920 Indian. His story was featured in The World's Fastest Indian, featuring Anthony Hopkins. Hmm. In the movie, what kind of tree did he pee on? Oak. Emma, what was the answer? I think it was an apple tree, wasn't it? Lemon yeah. tree. Thank you, it's a lemon tree. Lemon tree. Should we give that to Nog? No. no. That's kind of weird, like, media knowledge is kind of obscure. And I remembered it was a fruity tree. You had to have to watch that movie, though. Okay. All right. Uh, back to Nock. All right. And the chopper craze has come and gone over the years. Mm. Some say the last peak of popularity started with Jesse James in the 90s. Mm. What was the name of his shop in Long Beach? Uh, West Coast Customs. West Coast Choppers. There you go. Uh, West Coast Saved Choppers. by the bail. <laughs> yes, and I was one of those people who drove down there and stood outside the gate just to watch him pound metal. Oh, you were you, you did that. I did that. You were a, you're fangirling. That's pretty cool. That. That's pretty cool, that. dude. All right. Uh, Craig, you ready? On Any Sunday is considered to be the best motorcycle film ever made. Mm. One that isn't great, but is still iconic, is the 1991 film Harley Davidson and the Blank Blank. Oh! Peanut Gallery? Marlboro Man. There it is. Why is he getting the fucked up media questions? I should have known that one. And I um, feel like this is slanted. I just want to. I'm losing my grip. <laughs> I uh, I just want to say that um, mine and Liza's finest acting <laughs> moment was reenacting the final scene <laughs> yes. from Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Mm. So you haven't even courtesy seen from, the from the Handsome Asians. Yeah. Hey okay. guys. <laughs> All right. Uh, so is this knock? I believe so, okay. yes. Yes, it is, Nock. Okay, there's only two questions left. Damn. What's the score, Emma? So far, we have Nock with one wrong okay. and one, two, three, <laughs> four, five, six, seven, eight right. All right. Craig with three. four wrong <gasps> and one, two, three, four, five, six right. Damn, Ooh. a victory is inevitable. That can't be right because he's only had nine questions. Well, he's wrong. He's, he's wrong on so many levels. <laughs> okay. Because this last one is worth 100 points. Uh-huh. <laughs> for all the ducats. Okay. Is so this for it. both of us? No, it's for Craig. Oh, no, just no, no. not. Let's go, Craig. Sorry, let's go. Is it all for right. me or for him? This is a uh, knock. Wait, didn't I answer the last one? No, because... Oh, was yeah, that was a Marlboro. Marlboro. Okay, that's right, right. All right, knock. Mm. There have been many memorable motorcycle chases in movies, mm. but one of the most exciting to this day is the L.A. River scene in Terminator 2. Mm. What bike was Arnold Schwarzenegger riding? Oh, so Harley. Bad boy. There it is. Ooh, Craig made a face like maybe he didn't know that. Ooh. Well, let's see if he knows this one, because you have to win this. you got to get this right to tie. Uh-huh. you got to be in it to win it. <clears throat> okay. Okay, I'm ready. Uh, this is a long one, so pay attention. During his career, Evil Knievel may have suffered more than 433 bone fractures, earning an entry in the Guinness Book of World Records as a survivor of most bones broken in a lifetime. However, 
this number could be exaggerated. His son, Robbie, told a reporter in 2014 that his father had only broken 40 to 50 bones, and Knievel himself claimed he broke 35. Mm. Ironically, one of the biggest jumps he attempted and failed did not lead to any broken bones at all, the Snake River Jump. What state did it take place in? Washington. That is incorrect. Is it Utah? That is also incorrect. Oh. Idaho. That is correct. Is it Idaho? Oh. Yeah, remember uh, I rode up his ramp on my KLR 650. Damn. Mm. Yeah, when Jim and I did our cross-country trip. So, Knock, congratulations. Oh, no, hang on. We're going to do a final (laughs) tally. (laughs) Okay. Pretty sure he will. So, with one incorrect and many right, there is Knock. With five incorrect and not so many right, is Craig. However, you are both losers today. The real winner is Liza for reading the questions so beautifully, tied with Emma for keeping score so accurately. <laughs> accurately. Um, uh, I will Suck ex- it, losers! I'll accept that answer. Uh-huh. I was prepared to be humiliated, so but thank you for I, playing. I, I'm glad I still am humiliated. Thank Nobody you humiliates you like me. <laughs> no, that was fun. Thank you for playing the world's easiest motorcycle quiz. Um, hey, no, a fine performance by both of you, I'd like to Real quick, you. on um, our last show, I yes. talked about <clears throat> something that I was going to give myself for Christmas. Yeah, what do you get yourself for Christmas? Oh, you got glue Those buttons. things are two pretty pairs awesome. of motorcycle gloves, climb gloves. Are those, I was going to say, are those climbs or on. knockoffs? No, these those are, are actual. They are climbs. They're not uh, yeah, the, yeah. the knockoffs are called climbs. <laughs> no, these <Not> are climbs. <laughs> I, I just love climb gloves. I, I just can't get enough of them. They so. make good shit. Does that fit you, Craig? Almost. This fits Ooh. me perfectly. Do you, yeah, did you say you were uh, wanting to give no, these out? No. Oh. These are good. Feeling generous this no, new the, year? The we'll dirt bike gloves leaf. were too big for me, mm. but yes. I love the colors. These? Yeah. Um, oh, these just, are fantastic. I recommend climb gloves. I just... I just love buying them. It's like Emma and her shoes. Mm. For me, it's it's. Oh, I bought new shoes. Yes, you did. I bought new shoes in claret pearl. Baby got new shoes. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about a segment uh, 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 of our motorcycle community, a type mm. of a biker that I think is the most hardcore biker. And this is not somebody, uh, it's mm. not necessarily because they got so many tattoos and wear leather that make them <laughs> the most hardcore. Right. And it's not their riding skill necessarily. It's not um, how many bikes they own or how fast they go. Mm. Uh, no, I, I want to say that I believe the most hardcore segment of bikers are the type that don't own a car and just have a motorcycle. Oh, we have one of those in the garage. We do? Mm-hmm. Who would that be? I believe Ellie. A- and you. What? Oh, do I'm a girl. <laughs> I am a woman on Who the Who said inside. girl? Oh, I don't know. What are you talking you about? You said not- women, right? No, I did not mention women. Oh, pers- I'm sorry. I'm, for some reason, I think, oh, you heard badass biker chicks. 
with tattoos. Oh God, oh my! Was, was that my was You're my not, mind there? Totally not paying. You know attention. what? What I used all the energy for that game. That's what <laughs> happened. <laughs> brain my brain is, brain is fucking mush right now. Uh, I was trying to throw a big compliment mm-hmm. to writers like not. Oh, thank you. The most hardcore writers, I think, that don't get the respect they deserve yeah, are the right. ones it's right. that don't have a car and go everywhere in any weather and whenever they need to on motorcycles. They figure out how to do their shopping. Mm. They figure out how to get a mattress home or do whatever, right? <laughs> They've they, I've done stupid stuff like that. They yes. go out in, in rain because they have to. They have to get to work, right? Mm. Um, I've I've been that person. Emma, you've been that person, right? I have, a long Craig, time ago. Have you been that person? I've been that person. And I, I think back, and I'm like, oh my God. Like Now I think how crazy, but at the time, it made sense, right? And yeah. those times that you really need to like move a couch or something, as long as you, you're, you have friends, you can borrow a car. That's why you got to have friends. <laughs> That's why you got to be really nice friends. and kind and be around but kind people. <laughs> I wanted just to to talk a minute about that. You know, um, uh, I think mad respect. Yeah, Ellie mm. and then um, Luke, who was in the garage. He's got three bikes, no car. I mean, not you make a lot of sacrifices riding in all kinds of weather. Sure. Why do you choose to not well, have a car? It's you know what it is it's it's practicality, like in all honesty, I should probably riding my bicycle everywhere I go in town. I don't live very far from work, and when I was living in uh, Aptos, it was only like a twenty two mile commute. But uh, I still find it that like if I'm on the bike, it's still my time, and I don't have to really the fact that you could lane split. Oh, that's okay. It's uh, your fucking lane splitting is super big, and you don't have to sit around and queue up behind other people and. And you're kind of allowed these little kind of gray areas that you could exploit, which is fun. And it's off, you know, the whole freedom aspect of it, too. And plus cars are expensive to insure and all that jazz. And, you know. No, we're not saying it's because you're you're too broke. That's oh. You're too cheap. We're not saying that. It's because you're oh. badass, man. Oh, well, thank you. I'm trying to give you credit. Well, I pr- I'll take the credit. But I'm wondering how many other people out there are that hardcore of a biker. Craig, why did... Why did why were you that person? I was very young and just out of college and didn't have a car that worked, so I just had this old BMW GS, the the great great grandfather of today's GS and uh, it was only a short time to be honest. Um my badassery level was short-lived. Um but it was kind of just a the circumstances that I worked with, but I agree with knock. There was, there was um, a certain practicality to have it and a certain kind of freedom that you could still go wherever you wanted to go, but just simply you just had two wheels to take you there. Yeah. And I, I mean, yeah, I guess I was young and dumb too. And I, um, I didn't have one for three years in Boston. Yeah. how was riding in those ones? Yeah, I rode year round. I mean, you just did what you had to do, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I didn't think that much of it, but you know, it, I 
people don't talk about that segment of writers. Uh, well, it's like you know, I'm not like patting myself on the back about it. Oh yeah, I'm hardcore. I just like it's just one of the things. No, that but I it do, is. You know, like, it, it is, and I just wanted to acknowledge it to any well, listeners out there who are that writer. Like that is hardcore. You deserve some recognition, even if you're just commuting to work and going shopping yeah. and doing little stuff. You it's, know, it's not about your compliment. It's about the commitment. That you know, is you hard. Know, you know what it is? Is like I remember just being a little kid riding around on my bicycle when I first learned how to like balance a bicycle, and I would ride fucking everywhere, and I would eat shit all the goddamn time. But I had so much fun doing it. And um, this is—I mean, obviously trying to eat so much shit on a motorbike, but like this is kind of like the grown-up version of that, I guess. So yeah. Yeah, so that's it. I just wanted to acknowledge it, and and not you are one of those, and you know I'm proud that you're one of our people, and it's something. Oh, thank you. That people don't use as a measure of badass hardcore biker shit, mm. and it should be. And we've all been there, and the fact that you're still there and haven't grown up <laughs> <laughs> is you it's, uh, when you grow up, it's uh, your own fault. And it's not that you couldn't afford it; you can have a car. You just yeah. choose to have a bunch of bikes. Yeah. And way and, too many bikes. <laughs> it's only yeah, got, it was exactly. only like three bikes, <laughs> but it's still, it's just like, yeah, running out of room. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to, let's see. Um, I wanted to <clears throat> get to, I guess, get to emails. I think we're covering everything. Um, we've got a lot of emails to cover. We have. Let's start with, um, uh, Craig and I have two. These are, uh, when we, talked about the new easy rider movie that's coming out and we asked people to send in their pitch and i have a really good one here so i want you to hear this This is almost like an elevator pitch uh this comes from uh i believe it's joris but i would think it's yours but i'm gonna go with joris he says uh hi misfits i'm responding to your challenge to reimagine easy rider for the present day here goes starts with a pair of young friends one black and one white, maybe one male, maybe one female, part of a group of urban stunters in Baltimore or D.C. <clears throat> a good 10 minutes of stunting action, but then there's a bad crash that severely injures a bystander. Pair panics, takes off on unlicensed dirt bikes into the country, possible police chase, to what looks like an abandoned farm. Farm actually inhabited by an irritable old man, played by either Clint Eastwood, Tom Hanks, or maybe Naked Jim. <laughs> I like that. Old man has a pair of ancient bikes, a 1948 Indian chief and a 1965 BMW R69S mm. that he and his deceased wife rode across the country in the 70s. Mm. Scenes of growing mutual respect and understanding between old and young. Old man mentors the youth in fixing up the bikes, then lets them take the bikes for a cross-country trip, maybe to find one lad's long-lost father. Adventures along the way discover the beauty of America and the goodness in most people. Learn to ride responsibly. Find brother or sisterhood among other bikers. Maybe raising money for a GoFundMe <laughs> for those injured by urban stunter antics. Uh, Final scene. It's black people, right? Just say black people. <laughs> urban. Final scene on the PCH as the pair are on their way to the recycled garage to peer on the podcast. A distracted driver in an SUV hits them head on. Slow motion shot in silence of both bikes and riders dropping over the edge into the Pacific. Nice. Q. All they wanted was to be free. Yeah. 
Sorry, sad ending like the original, but no pandery <laughs> sentiment here. I figure that today a distracted driver is more of a hazard than resentful rednecks and pickups were in the original. No idea. It would be who- a Tesla driver. <laughs> no idea who to cast with the bear, but ideally give a break to some new faces. Uh, FYI, my Christmas birthday present to myself is a 2023 Vespa GTS 300. Awesome. Ooh, nice. In classic, lightly, lovely green, which just arrived at the deal and awaits my collection. For a friend, I would buy a set of ski lights which are small lights for the front and or back of the bike that flicker slightly to improve conspicuous uh, increases uh, attention um thanks for all you conspicuosity is that a word conspicuity 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 thanks for all you do and happy new year to y'all joris Thanks. Thanks, Thanks, George. George. Appreciate it. Craig, you also have a pitch. I do. I do. I like, I got to say, I did like that pitch. I like it. It was well thought out. No, it's very well thought out. Yeah, yeah. Into it. Very well thought out. I thought it was great. We have an email here from Joe Troy. What hey, do you Joe. know, That's Joe? Puppy. That's puppy. Wow. Howdy, misfits. Wow. Joe, a.k.a. Puppy, here out of Atlanta. I remember Puppy. <laughs> just wanted to say. I Calm had, down. Jeez. Just wanted to say <laughs> I had a blast right at the 500th weekend. Of Not only did. getting to meet all of you, <laughs> oh, but yeah. also getting some of the guys from Stumpistan again. And experience the beautiful sunny Santa Cruz weather. I, I, I got to see his junk. Did you really? I did. I got a picture. You want to see it? Yes. Literal like, I, picture of a trash can. I wanted can. to share my bike car twin pair with all of you and see if you agree. I actually own the car twin to my bike right now. My Yamaha MT09 car twin mm. is a Ford Focus ST. Mm. A stew. A stew. They both they are both quick, nimble, but still practical enough that I can justify owning them. Both are also awesome for track days. Mm. I also wanted to fill you in on my first vintage motorcycle purchased not a week after I got back from Georgia. <laughs> Seems you guys have a pretty good knack for influencing me to buy projects. I picked up this 75Z50, almost exclusively for mid-Ohio, for the princely sum of 100 crisp dineros. Nice. Good deal. Hold on a second. Emma's losing her shit because this is literally the first time she's ever seen a penis. Now, Now, before any of the listeners get their knockers in a bunch, or knickers, I should say, the motor likely needs a lot of work, and I have contemplated just... Just parting the think out since it's missing so many bits and pieces. Pictures of the are attached of the bikes in the car. Thanks again for all of you. Love puppy. P.S. Liza, sell the damn Africa twin already. You could buy two <laughs> stretched booses for that kind of dosh. And I'm actually gonna make a claim. So he said he had his own twin. What was the car and the motorcycle? MT09 and Ford Focus ST. So, Emma, would you say that that penis is the Ford Focus of the penis world? Oh, God. I mean, it's wow, functional. Stop. Put it away. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting jealous. That's what, <laughs> that's what you, I'm puppy. saying. Okay? Thank you, puppy. Um, I sh- should I explain why I have a picture of his? No, film? I think no. you should. Well, no. it's whatever. A, it's a group shot. It's a group shot. Let's just say. Oh, you know, you know who famously did that was the uh, that really famous guy who jumped the the, 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 the Great Escape. What's his name? Steve McQueen. Steve McQueen. There's a photo of him like looking all casual, but what they did is they cropped it off and he had his dick out. 
It was one of the more famous ones. Uh, no, this was in the men's room. <laughs> yeah. After our event. And yeah, we stormed in there. And, yeah. Pervert. Anyway, uh, thank you, puppy. Um, all right, Emma, you got one there? I do indeed. And I have a <clears throat> message here from Stephanie Feld. Yes. Hey, Stephanie. And it goes, hey. hi, everybody. I only started listening to your podcast a few weeks ago, mm. but I wanted to throw something out there that has been bothering me for years. Ooh. I work for a small independent motorcycle shop in Pennsylvania, mm. and co- we constantly get calls from people who bought one of those crappy, but not that cheap, Chinese bikes on the interweb or from Tractor Supply. <laughs> and the thing broke immediately, and they want us to fix it. You all have mentioned that the quality of the parts is fundamentally junk. You can't really fix the bikes, which is why we seldom agree to work on them. Mm-hmm. But here's the real question. Why are these motor vehicles even allowed to be sold in this country without some kind of manufacturer or dealer support network? I've heard that Tesla is fighting to be allowed to sell cars outside the dealerships, and apparently there are laws in the USA that forbid that. Mm. New cars come from dealerships that can repair and support them. So why are these mini bikes, dirt bikes and quads, many of which end up in the possession of our precious children, allowed to be sold in this country without any parts packing or repair repair facilities provided by the manufacturers. I would love to hear if you people could address this in one of your podcasts. If you already have, I would love to hear it. Um, Hold on, hold on. Very good question. So she answered the, the, the question. Who did she say they end up in the hands of? Farmers, randos. No, children. Children, because these are toys they are sold right. as toys mm, yeah. not vehicles <clears throat> yeah they're not they're not they don't pass any kind of nitsa kind of safety regulation no. any well, of that stuff exactly it's all and a lot of the ones that are sold via um tractor supply are sold in kit form mm-hmm. not street legal not a complete mm-hmm. motorcycle no, none it's, of these are street legal yeah so it's these sold in toys. kit form so it doesn't have to, when you sell something in kit form, it doesn't have to adhere to vehicle regulations of any description. And Tractor Supply offer a building service for, you know, $50, whatever. We'll assemble this thing for you, probably pretty haphazardly as well. Mm. But they're sold as kits, and that's how you kind of negate the whole um, thing. But Stephanie brings up a very, very valid um, point. I mean, we we love our children. Um, I think Nock has more experience of children than anybody else in this room. Um, you spend a lot of time around small children, don't you? One small child. Yeah, and they're quite mm-hmm. durable, but you wouldn't want to. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't really want to break one. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, on a, on an inferior motorbike because no. you know blood comes out and bones and stuff like that. They're um, only so rubbery. Yes, exactly. So. Um, we want to take care of little children, and putting them on Chinese bikes is not necessarily responsible parenting or uncling or auntieing. So all of these bikes listed are considered pit bikes or, yes. or, or, or dirt bikes. These are toys. Oh, Where well. this does start to become a problem, and what we've talked about when we talked about the New York bikes, there are a lot of these electric bikes and scooters that are being sold and you, or you can go on Amazon and buy Not some of these bikes yes. that are full-size bikes mm-hmm. that do 45 miles an hour but aren't actually street legal. And people right, exactly. buy them 
thinking they'll get a title. What they get is a certificate that is not a title. It's a you know made up thing. And so there are a lot of these uh, electric bikes and scooters that are being introduced and sold as street bikes that aren't. Yeah. So there I mean, is a growing problem. But these bikes listed, if you're buying a bike at Tractor Supply or at yeah, where you know well i mean like the positive the, the caveat is caveat is like it's it gets kids into motorcycling kenny robinson had had his start on a fucking farm bike well, and shit like that you know the thing too is when you go into the history like zero motorcycles is a perfect example when zero first came out they sold a dirt bike because you do not have to meet all the requirements, the DOT requirements to mm. put a bike on the street. There have to be lights and emissions and blah, blah, blah. I know zero doesn't have emissions, but there's a lot of uh, things that simple. have to meet all these requirements. Dirt bikes don't. Yeah. Lower, so, lower hurdle to jump over. Exactly. So the first zeros that came out were not street legal. They were just sold as dirt bikes Off-road use because only. it is Almost the same as equivalent to a toy. doesn't meet any requirements. Um, I'm not even sure if any of the, I mean, technically, uh, like an XR100 dirt bike, it's not meaning any DMV or DOT no, requirements. No, it's not. And what you're relying, no. and there's PW, no, and I mean, there's no warranty with them as well. It's, it's P- not until you get into something that's plated. Right. If you go into a dealership and buy a Honda XR100 yeah. as an example, um, it doesn't have to meet any DOT requirements. Um, it's not subject to uh, NHTSA recalls yeah. and regulations. Um, and there's no warranty as well. I mean, it could blow up on the first day. And you bring it back to the dealership and say, hey, I bought this XR100 brand new. And it blew up on the first yeah. day. And well, tough, because it doesn't have a warranty. Are these not, not warranted? Uh, no, no competition uh, bike's got uh, a warranty. However, <clears throat> what you are relying on is the fact that Honda... And Yamaha and Kawasaki and KTM and so on and so forth oh, yeah. have all got a very, very good reputation. Yeah. And they are not going to destroy their reputation on basically a child's bike. And, you know, knowing how conservatively run Honda are, I mean, they're going to put special attention on children's bikes to make them absolutely fail safe, to make it the safest product for a child to ride. Because that's what Honda does, and that's what Yamaha does, and that's what KTM does, and so on and so forth. So there you go. That's why. They're they're dirt bikes. Multiple reasons. All right. So, Knock, you got one there? Yes, I got one. Uh, Happy New Year's Misfits. It's Mike D from SoCal. Mike Mike D. Come on, D. D. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Okay, I'm not keen on remakes of classic movies, but anything having... To do with motorcycles, I'll give it a watch. By the way, Liza, since you've asked me, here's my story pitch. All right. A father and son whose relationship is estranged by the old man drugs drinking find themselves riding across country together to attend the funeral of a father's ex-wife's son's beloved mom. Okay. Okay. Both men are bikers, builders, riders. However, the son is into classic English bikes. And the father's into old shovels, pans, I guess American metric cruisers or American cruisers? Yes. Yeah. Uh, actors, dad played by either Mickey Rourke or Christian Bale. The son Christian played Bale. by anyone one of them Spider-Man young dudes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, now the bikes. Son rides new classic Bonnie and dad rides that chain frame build by the late great Indian Larry. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Storyline will center, of course, around the mending or not of the relationship between the two as they travel. 
Uh, yeah, the remake might suck, but in my opinion, any motorcycle movie is like a pizza. Uh, it can never be really bad. They're just degrees of good. Hmm. Yeah, that's not a bad know, idea, actually. You know, father you know. and son stories are always get people. I think that's uh, that's a thing. All right, I have one more here. We it. need to get through how this. How, was, how was your relationship with your father, Nock? Oh, fuck him. He's dead. I don't okay. worry about that now. Craig? Very good, very good. There but you go. It so, wasn't always, wasn't yeah. always, but... Yeah, my, but you... My, my yeah. dad used to be on the mantle, but he's not in No, you don't count, Liza, because <laughs> you're a girl. It's all about your relationship right, with your mom. Me, all right, me. back we to you. We got room for time for... You have one more. We got two more. Uh, go, through, go for it, Emmett. Okay, hello. And um, this is from Matt. Hey, Matt. Hello, darlings and fellow misfits. I was looking for a good history book on motorcycles and couldn't seem to find one on the interwebs. That got me wishing for a brilliant motorcycle history book. And who, who I say who, is more equipped to, um, who is more equipped than Emma to write? With her great storytelling ability, dare I say, bravado. Um... She would be the perfect person to write and narrate an audio book on the history of motorbikes. I think I'm just going to uh, find, wow. all, take all of our history holes and do text to and to go <laughs> throw and in, a mis- in a book. go throw Speech in a misfit twist in what would otherwise be a classy historical motorcycle endeavor. One random page could just be a full page picture of an opossum shaped dildo with no explanation thereof <laughs> and mention in the book. Anyways, tried to connect with you all at Vintage Days, but pulled in right when that crazy weather was hitting and hung out under utility shed for three hours instead. Mm-hmm. Was really looking forward to the packing stand talk, but missed out. Catch you next time. Matt from Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. That's hey. Pittsburgh, PA. I oh, will yeah. say, Pittsburgh-ese. I will say, is dope. there was a book, I think I own it somewhere, that I found that was fascinating, that... Um, you'll have to do some search, but it, I think it was basically um, it was called like Barn Fine Motorcycles, and it was mm, all mm. these individual stories that people told of these barn finds, and some of them were fascinating. There were things like in Germany, bikes that had been dismantled because they were collecting all these things to to make tanks and shit, mm. and they had to be dismantled and hidden in the basement, and somebody finds it in like 1998 or something, you know? Oh, right. for materials, war materials. Just yeah, yeah, like there's a lot of fascinating stories, and when they dig into not just the hunt and how they found it and the conditions it in, but how it came to be there. There's a lot of really cool stories. So that was one I found. I thought it was called like Barn Fun. I feel uh, that's Almost like- anything by Ian Falloon is amazing as well. He d- dives into the histories of the, some of these storied brands. And mm. I don't know if that's exact. They're kind of individual. He might have some books out there on more general like all motorcycles i'm not exactly but sure think, but he's he's a great author as well I but so. i love the idea of emma narrating <laughs> yeah, a moto I, I a guess moto so. book I guess i'm so. all for that let me know how we make that happen when you when you said you had read a very interesting book i thought because my my psychiatrist has always been threatened to release the notes that she made of my <laughs> shoe my shoe fetish and i think that would make an incredible book although quite long Probably about a thousand pages long. I guess it explains why American Pickers and shows like that on whatever channels. Well, you know, I mean, people are very history. nostalgic yeah. about what's happened in the past. Yeah, for sure. And there's something, there's something so alluring about oh. going into a shed or a barn or even somebody's back room and finding something that's been gathering dust and just 
propping up the corner mm-hmm. for 30, 40, 50, 60 years and resurrecting and actually hearing this thing come to life. Mm-hmm. Hey, I found it. Yes. And you can buy it um, online. And it's called The Vincent in the Barn. Great oh, I know that book. Of motorcycle archaeology. So it's a good uh, book. the, okay. um, the right. best chapter in that book is um, about Field Marshal Montgomery. And my friends who work at British Monty Sports... Monty himself. Well, supposedly Monty's bike. Mm. And it was a fake. And my friends who work at British Sports Cars in San Luis Obispo were featured in that chapter. Yeah. I think it was Monty's Beezer is uh, the last mm. chapter. What I didn't realize is they came out with another book called The Harley in the Barn, More Great Tales of Motorcycle Archaeology by Tom Cotter. They could just keep making those but it's, forever. It's, it's, it's so delicious. And I, I mean, even after all these years, when I get a bike in that I know <laughs> hasn't run in decades... And I first hear its voice. God, it's a thrill. Yeah, you think they're going to make one called a sweet jixer in the barn? <laughs> Eventually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like a, you know, late 80s thing. You know, you know the most delicious sound to me when I heard Rufus's voice? Because Rufus was in that garage for yeah. more. Yeah, I bet. 20 years. I think it's going to be sweet jixer in the back and back of the Chinese restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> but no, when... Milk when crate I, attached to it for delivery. When I, when I heard Rufus for the first time and I heard his voice, I'm like, oh, my dear God, what have I got? All right. I've Rufus got one more. We're dope. going over time, but this one is worth it. Oh, man. Okay, here we go. Let's and this go. one is from Jesse. He says, just got done. Jesse! What I believe was episode 498, so mm. catching up. And in it, there was some discussion on motorcycle fuel filters. Yeah. I did find it quite interesting as I'm used to automobiles to usually have a filter. My old yes. Dodge diesels, my F-350. Yes. Of course, I use those inline filters on my old El Camino. Yes. But I have no idea when it, what it came with from the factory. Something that you've probably heard of but did not come up in your discussions is Google Tech filters. If you aren't familiar, you might find them interesting. They are a filter that cleans your fuel as you pour it into the tank. Oh, is it a sock over the neck? I think I've seen it. Yeah, Yeah. it says it even keeps water from passing through it into Hmm. the tank. So you can mount it into your fill valve and fill hole. And then, um, yeah, yeah, so it's right there. Um, This would be particularly helpful for people traveling abroad. They have kits for many popular bikes, including Africa Twins and my 1290. At about $60 to $100, it seems like a great deal. Thanks for a great, informative, and entertaining podcast. Your friend, Jesse. It's it's sock filters. Yeah, these are cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a uh, great example. Yeah, they're... they're You could definitely it's, get them for dirt bikes because that's like it's if you're doing good the for stuff, yeah. the the fuel going in. It's not mm-hmm. good if your problem is a tank like on my KZ that right. kept having rust. But that is a great suggestion. Well, yeah, it's, you put one of these if you're going to some place where the fuel might be hey, not the best quality. You know, yeah. Well, that's what happened to me when I was riding cross country in my yep. KTM and yep. it clogged up the filters and indeed it was fun from there. So um, there you have it. Another episode. Another episode. In the bag. 2023. Well, the first episode of 2023. Not so bad. Not so bad. (laughs) Um, Next week, we are going to be talking about all the things we have planned for 23. Oh. And there is a lot. One moto show? Yeah. Yes. Well, coming up, the first thing coming up is actually... AIM Expo. AIM Expo, One Moto Show, Vintage Days. And what else? This is shaping up Whale. to be interesting. We're going to have a bunch of us going. Mm. 
And uh, Craig, Craig is coming for the first time. Oh, yeah, sick! You've not traveled with the Misfits. I'm, oh, I'm uh, find if you go to Vegas, find the nearest slot machine that Liza can put her fingers <laughs> into, and let her win a bunch of shit I've and got, buy you steak I've dinner. The juju. Mine, She's got the fucking nice. juju, man. It's great. <laughs> I would go f- pick a machine for him and just let him win a little bit of. Money. Would you like? <laughs> um, would you like a Misfits top tip, Craig? Oh, of course. Wear durable underpants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll bring my finest. I'll bring my thickest. That yeah. I have. Hermetically seal your cock and balls. So, yeah, we're going to get the rest of the crew back next week. We've got a lot of stuff planning for 2023. Well, I no, I I mean, I hope and John is going to be released from Boulder Creek. <laughs> he might be by February, hopefully. Oh Lord of the one, Flies. One could there. hope. There's something I've been working on. That I think we're going to be announcing as well. Mm-hmm. Your constipation again? Nope. No, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm pretty stoked about this. We'll see. You'll, you'll see. Oh, uh, but well, yeah, we got a lot of shows we're going to. Really um, big shows. Trying to get Craig to come to Vintage Days. I think we might have a massive turnout of misfits. Well, of course, days. I shan't be there because you know, I will yes. be in Italy. Right. Uh, uh. Well, that's okay because that's one less drunk is to take Phil, care of. Is Phil going to Italy with you this time? Is he going to no, be able no, to? Don't know. Oh, don't know. No, he'll be at Vintage Days. Hey, mm. listen, I am quite a good drunk. I'm low. I'm low maintenance drunk. I'm not running around I looking for like, people to fight. I feel like you're a very <laughs> chill drunk person. I think I might have hung out. No, with but you like I said, you are becoming a little more. Uh, <laughs> Just let's just say, what's, I'm, the, I'm, what's the euphemism, Liza? I'm, well, I'm just, <laughs> she, she, yeah. Well, how how would you say it, Emma? What? I, I'm not going to say it. But she she's looking at people like they're meat sometimes. Just say <laughs> oh God! <laughs> well, knock knock. You got f- you had to contact HR today uh, several times. Just yes. okay. just because I you sat on your up. knee and told you what I want for Christmas next year. Yeah. Well, like now, if you say it like that. Yeah, no, it gets. Knox <laughs> just upset because I sat on his knee and he got a boner. Oh, Maybe. come on. Right. Maybe. Yeah, right. oh, we we'll gotta not, shut this down. We'll not we confirm or deny that. We got to you gotta shut semi. this down. It's like the whole time thing. Why does she only do this in public? Why can't she do this in private? <laughs> Fuck! This is where we get to thank everybody. Thanks for sending all those emails and keep them coming. Yes. I want to know what do you think are good and bad ideas yes, in yes, the motorcycle yes. world, especially good ideas that failed and bad ideas that succeeded. Right. Mm. I, I think that there are some. One you beginning. know what was a bad idea that succeeded? What? This podcast? Yeah. Hey! Well, one, one we didn't even get into, but just, uh, just to give a, a shout out. I, I think when it came out, the first BMW GS was a bad idea. Mm. A big, heavy dirt bike. Who'd have thunk? Who'd have thought? Who'd have thunk? And if it wasn't for Dakar, we wouldn't have a lot and of bikes. Well, just Dakar. kept getting heavier so, and heavier. Dakar's so responsible go. for a whole slew of bikes. Well, let's maybe get into it a little bit next week. Yeah, because I'd like that. we can have a, uh, more of an update on what's going on with Dakar. Um, if you want to follow Dakar, Red Bull TV. That's what yeah. we were running out. Today was the first day? Uh, today was the first oh, day. Oh, it's great. Red Bull TV, for anyone with any smart device, it's free. Yeah. And they have wonderful coverage there. Yeah. Really great coverage. 
Um, I love seeing the giant trucks. Oh, the trucks oh, are the trophy uh, cash. Amazing. Oh, my God. Things are crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> so, Emma and I are building a team. Yeah, we're going to. So if anybody is listening to this who's a multimillionaire and want to sponsor me and Craig mm. and one other to drive a giant truck around the G- Dakar Rally in 24, please reach out. Or we are, we need about a, Yeah, we need about... Quarter of a million? 200K. Well, yeah. Yeah. So keep, even less, million. whatever you want to donate. So keep those emails coming. You can send them to motorcyclesandmisfits at gmail.com. Yes. And you go to motorcyclesandmisfits.com and you can find the links to stuff. I just updated our calendar there. Oh, great. The things we got planned for 23 and I'll be adding more as we go. Um, and also huge thanks to our Patreon subscribers. Who are easily who the finest of humanity has helped, to offer. Helped Santa out in, in putting a TV in the garage. Hell yeah. So we appreciate that. Thanks, y'all. Many thanks. Um, so I think that's it. I All think right. that's it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, Happy New Year. Let's get out of here. This is Eliza. Emma, darling. Uh, Prius drivers need to learn to drive. <laughs> <laughs> that was his bottom. <laughs> and we are out of here. Cool. 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 Uh, you uh, my fire. Oh, shit, is it G or A? I can't remember. <laughs>